Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 10th, 2020, including Halo Infinite has been confirmed for a fall 2021 release, Xbox Cloud Gaming is officially making its way to iOS, I tried the McRib this week, and more. I don't know if this is going to be a doozy of a week, but it feels like this is going to be a really meaty episode. So let's uh, jump right in. First of all, I wanted to mention this week that at the time you're hearing this, at the time the show goes live, which is Thursday, uh, that will be the same day of the Game Awards, which, you know, as we talked about last week, in recent history, the Game Awards it has been a big place for Xbox news. Most notably, last year, Microsoft revealed the Xbox Series X at the Game Awards, so it would be... I think a rational person would probably say, hey, I host an Xbox podcast. Today's the Game Awards. There's probably going to be some big Xbox news. I should probably delay the show a day or two to accommodate all the surprises. But I'm not going to do that, as I told you last week. I'm just going to stupidly put the show out on Thursday morning, as I do every Thursday. And then Thursday night, the Game Awards will happen. And probably they'll probably announce the Xbox Series Z and Halo Infinite 2 and uh, that the McRib is also Xbox Series X enhanced, and all of that will be missed because I'm stupid and I jumped the gun and I uploaded at the same time I always do instead of just being patient, waiting for the game awards. But nonetheless, I'm only letting you know this to say, yes, the show will go live Thursday. If you're listening to this on Thursday, you already know that, uh, but just know we'll cover whatever happens during the game awards. We'll cover the next week. So yeah, it's going to be a lengthy full week wait before we cover that news. So it might seem a little old by that point, but oh fucking well. And as a side note, Microsoft did confirm or kind of through a Halo Waypoint um, article, which we'll get to soon uh, this week, they did confirm that there will be some surprises at the Game Awards. I don't know, you know, who knows what that means. Maybe it means DLC. Maybe it means uh, a picture of Phil Spencer in a bathing suit at a Christmas party in like 2004. Who knows what the fuck that means. Uh, it might it might be something big. It might be something small, but we're taking our chances. Xbox On has always been a podcast about gambling, and so that's what we're going to do this week. So that has been addressed. And then our second thing I wanted to mention, as it is Thursday, December 10th, this is Cyberpunk Day. This is the big launch day for Cyberpunk 2077. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, you're probably driving around town in your 2006 Toyota Camry LE on your way home from Target or Fry's Electronics uh, with your new copy of Cyberpunk 2077 in your hands. And you're saying, uh, let me hit up this uh, this Chick-fil-A drive-thru real, real quick and then I'll be home. Pop this fucker in my Xbox and we'll be playing Cyberpunk. So congrats to all of you. I know this is like the most anticipated game in a long while. So it feels like it has to be addressed. Personally, I mean, I'm not, I don't know, man. I've, I've been like excited for cyber quote unquote excited for cyberpunk since it got announced i think it looks really really cool and i'm i'm curious to try it but i'm not like it's not like the game i'm shitting my pants for it's not like well at least we still got cyberpunk despite the fact that halo infinite got delayed it's like no i'd still much rather have halo infinite so i, I don't know i'm i'm interested to try it my my friend hunter who i've mentioned on the show a handful of times really hooked me up and was able to help me get the game at a discounted price. The trade-off being that I got a physical copy of the game, which is like probably the first physical game I've bought in, in like six years. But I don't really get, like I said, I'm not like crazy about 
jumping into cyberpunk immediately so i'm gonna wait a few days it's coming in the mail i'll it'll get here when it gets here and i'll play it when i have the chance but i have that on the way so i'll, I'll give my impressions once i've had some time to sit down with it but yeah i mean i know a lot of you are probably really looking forward to cyberpunk it seems to be the, the game and and it looks like the reviews are basically what you'd expect it's it's wow this game's amazing go buy it or you're stupid uh 10 out of 10 all that kind of shit i think the funnier thing here or not funnier, I don't want to be negative, but I feel like this has to be addressed, especially because Xbox is the console generation that, or is the console platform that's all about, like, supporting various generations. But, you know, we've already started to see the reports that Cyberpunk, you know, looks and runs beautiful on PC, looks and runs pretty well on Xbox Series X and PS5, and will probably get patched to run even better. But if you're running especially, like, a base day one, like Xbox One or, or PS4, you're you're basically shit out of luck. I've you know the videos have already started circulating the internet. The game looks and runs like absolute shit. Like it's a, it's an it's really embarrassing actually how bad the game looks. It's just like you know someone will walk up to a character and they're all fuzzy and the, and, and they'll have like texture popping like halfway through a, a, a battle or a gunfight or a, a melee fight or whatever. And it's just r- some really rough looking like alpha shit. But I mean that's I I, I mean. I think if if they could go back in time, CD Projekt Red would would be like, okay, this game is way too ambitious for the PS4 and Xbox One. This is like this has got to be a, a next gen game only. But I mean, unfortunately, the die has been cast. They've delayed the game as many times as they can. Here we are, the game's out now. I'm sure these are things that will be mostly addressed over time with patches. Of course, you're going to see the internet blow up. There's going to be people who say it's the best game ever made. And then there's going to be a bunch of people saying it's the shittiest game ever because of all the performance issues and hiccups on older hardware. So you'll see a lot of that shit. You'll see a lot of memes, a lot of funny videos in the coming days, I, I assume. But I don't know. This, this like I wasn't really phased by this. Like It sucks. If you're out here listening and you're one of those people who's hanging on to your 2013 day one Xbox Ones and you're like, I'll get a Series X in a year or two, but for now I'm going to hang on to this little guy. I'm sorry if you were someone looking forward to Cyberpunk. It looks like the game is just going to perform like shit and probably greatly impact your ability to enjoy the game. So that is a serious thing. But I more so wanted to bring this up just to say this is a concern I've had about going into this generation in general. And now Cyberpunk is realizing this concern. And now I'm really worried about what it means for Halo, which is that, you know, it's really great that especially on Xbox of all platforms, the, the, the mentality is like, Oh, you know, we're doing this thing where we're trying to support the older generations. Think of it more like the PC market where it's like Xbox One is like the minimum spec to run the game. And then you can run it up to an Xbox One X or a Series S or a Series X. So you have a handful of hardware options as to where you want to play the game. And that's kind of where we've gotten to a little bit with the games industry. It's a little more PC, PC-like in that in that sense. Uh, but stuff like this worries me about Halo because... I, like as we saw in July, Halo really as a as a franchise can't afford to be taking these these big optical like like punches with the with the Craig memes and stuff like that. So if Halo Infinite comes out, you know, remember it's a game that's been promised for your 2013 Xbox One. It's promised to be available on that platform. And if Halo Infinite comes out and you know it runs and looks pretty well, pretty great on on PC and Xbox Series X, but it just looks and runs like shit on a day one Xbox. It just it just worries me like what that does to the conversation and the coverage around the game and the public's perception. And the only reason I care about that isn't because I care you know what other people think of my favorite games, but it's because I just want to see Halo succeed so that we can continue to see Microsoft and 343 have confidence in this franchise rather than see Halo be this franchise that's constantly on the offense of like trying to 
bend the knee and cater to this audience that's just unple- unpleasable. And this would be a really big problem to have on their hands. So just seeing this happen with Cyberpunk made me very wary of that with the potential of this happening with Halo. Uh, but I mean, obviously, we can't really know how that's going to go until later when Halo Infinite comes out, which we'll talk about when we get to the news segment. That's the second time I've referenced this big news story of the week. Um, but yeah, Cyberpunk's out. If you're looking forward to that, I'm excited for you. I hope you really enjoy the game. It looks like it's, you know, it doesn't look like it's the most groundbreaking. I've never seen a game do this kind of thing, but it looks like a great game. I think it looks like it's fun. If if you know you like games like The Witcher or Elder Scrolls or shit like that or Fallout, it looks like this game will definitely please you and, and satisfy that need for more massive open world games. Actually, one of the things I'm really excited about Cyberpunk is the fact that CD Projekt is like, hey, this is actually a smaller game, and how, you know, reviewers are saying you can beat the game in like 20 to 25 hours. So that's actually got me a lot more uh, optimistic about my inevitable time with Cyberpunk. But very big congratulations to the team at CD Projekt Red for getting this game out into the wild. I know it's been hell on earth, seemingly, trying to get this thing out with all the delays and the bad press and the hype. So hopefully... Uh, I mean, obviously, it looks like they have lots of work in terms of patches and things like that, especially for the older consoles. But hopefully, we are really nearing a point where the team can sit back, take a sigh of relief, and maybe, you know, feel a sense of pride for the hard work they put into this project. So there's that. Now, one thing I won't be mentioning in the news this week that you may have seen circulate a little bit is this rumor of the Halo Fortnite crossover that's that's been planned. You know, this Master Chief skin crossover. You see Fortnite do this almost all the time now it's like they've got all the different marvel characters and the batman characters and they've got i think now they got kratos from god of war in there and they're just always doing these crossovers they got the fun fun guys from all the movies you like all the big pop culture references fortnite's basically just become a giant funko pop simulator where it's just like you know i'm like pretty soon here you're gonna pop in fortnite you don't pop it in you download it you're gonna you're gonna boot up fortnite and you're just gonna be like oh look it's the fortnite golden girls crossover i can't wait to play as this old woman in Fortnite. So that's basically where we're steering with Fortnite. So the idea of a Halo crossover with Fortnite doesn't surprise me. In fact, you know, I was pretty convinced by the rumors and the leaked images and everything. I'm sure it is a real thing. Maybe that's what we'll see at the Game Awards tomorrow night. I don't fucking know. But the reason I don't want to cover this is because, not because I think it's a fake rumor or there's no weight to this rumor, but because I just don't want to cry on my podcast, okay? It's like, I don't like Fortnite. I don't want to see my precious John 117 running around with a pickaxe, you know, hitting hitting Shroud or whatever the, the, the Twitch streamer's name is, you know, trying to build blocks around a building and, and avoid hits from 12-year-olds that are cursing at you and saying insulting things about your mother. I just, I don't want this game, so... That's why I'm not going to talk about it, but just know, yes, I know it's a thing. We Please don't comment. Now, as, uh, speaking of comments, let's jump into some comments and stuff from the audience this week. This week, I'm feeling pretty good about the comments. It's a lot of bullshit, a lot of food-related comments, so it's definitely my kind of week in terms of the kind of feedback I got from you, the audience. Remember, if you ever want to write into the show, you head on over to YouTube.com where I upload the video version of the show each and every week. And by video version, I don't mean with a camera showing my face. I mean... It's just the audio with a with a thumbnail for an hour and a half, so deal with that. But you know, you go over to YouTube.com, you type in second best game second best gaming. That's my YouTube channel. You'll see the Xbox on playlist from there. Click on that fucking shit, man. We've got like seven hundred subscribers, guys. That means we're pretty close. 
to 1,000. We're pretty close to the point where I can start monetizing this. I might be able to make you watch that YouTube ad where the girl sings about being so hard, you moved to the city in the broke down car. You might have to watch that ad play over my YouTube video if we can just keep getting the subscriber count up. So please tell your friends, tell your family, go and find an enemy, someone you greatly disagree with, and try to bond with them over my podcast and get them to subscribe to the Xbox On Show. Now, without further ado, uh, you can go over to youtube.com if you want to, uh, the podcast, if you want to leave a comment, but some people have already done that. So let's jump into podcast, uh, some, some comments from last week. God damn. First two comments come from George, Mr. Doomhammer, who actually commented in through Twitter, but we're going to make a, an exception and add these tweets in as comments because they're good tweets and I want to talk about them. So, so Doomhammer says, Jesse, in your next podcast, could you take a few minutes to discuss what makes a person like at 80 suburbia choose to eat unfrosted pop tarts? And then you say, me and my friends have been wondering what makes someone do this willingly. So this is in reference to someone on Twitter, some random person. I have no idea who this person is. Seems like a totally rational human being. But this this woman, this young lady had the audacity to say on Twitter that unfrosted Pop-Tarts are like the default correct Pop-Tart. Like, like. She insinuates that the frosted Pop-Tart is the bastardization or the weird alternative to the classic standard Pop-Tart, which is, of course, the unfrosted Pop-Tart. And this is just, this is just entirely wrong. In fact, this is, this isn't one of those, like, I disagree with your opinion or like, oh, you're, you're saying, you know, heinous things, blah, blah, blah. This is, this isn't about my opinion versus your opinion or your preference versus mine. This is about what's dangerous. Okay. There's certain information that can be dangerous. You know, people don't like the notion of like, you know, extremist terrorist groups gaining traction on the internet because it makes their mess. It makes their platform heard and loud and it draws, you know, seedy, creepy people in different corners of the world towards these, these dangerous groups of individuals. And that's more in line with what I'm talking about here with pop tarts, trying to tell people and convince people that unfrosted Pop-Tarts are the way in which God intended for Pop-Tarts to be consumed is a dangerous mentality to be spreading, is a dangerous thought. This is this is simply about spreading dangerous messages and the kinds of effects that those can have when those messages, you know, hit the right ears, hit the ears of people who are capable of bad things. And I worry what our world would look like if the majority thought dangerous thoughts like unfrosted pop tarts are a viable food source. And that's just scary to me. So I greatly encourage you all. Um, if you've, you know, if you ever see someone talk about the unfrosted pop tart in any way, other than the whole, like we're, we're rip, we're ripping on it or, you know, we're bullying people, people who like the unfrosted pop tart. That's a rare example where it's okay to bully that person. So like make sure that you, you let that person know, that their opinion and their preference is literally, quite literally, worth less than your preference. Because again, it's a dangerous stance. And we can't let that kind of that kind of speech being go around being spread and unregulated. So again, I just like this isn't funny to me. This is like just not an acceptable thing to say. Now, Doomhammer keeps the ball rolling with the food talk and says, Jesse, I watched this video and it made me think. We know your love of Pepsi and Pepsi products, 
What off-brand soft drinks have a quirky with quirky names have you tried? Anything surprise you for good or bad? Maybe a podcast topic. This is a this is a great question, and you you attach a, a funny YouTube video from a social media guy named Supreme Dreams underscore one. I've never heard of this guy before, but I watched this YouTube video you attach. And it's very, very funny. It's this, it's this guy who's like, you know, he's like acting that he's like in a restaurant and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah I'll have a Sprite. And the waiter's like, yeah, we got, we got Sierra Miss. Is that okay? And he's like, what the fuck? And then like, it just kind of, you know, unravels into this hilarious skit of like, we don't have this drink. We have this drink. It's like, we don't have a manager. We have an assistant manager. We don't have, you know, a can't, it's like all, all this funny stuff. And just, I, I can't do it justice, but it's a funny little skit you've, you posted here. And it really got me thinking about, you know, I waited tables for about 10 pathetic years of my miserable existence. And it reminded me of when I worked at the Stony River, which is a legendary steakhouse. I don't think they call it that anymore, but it's just, it was a steakhouse. It is a steakhouse uh, back home where I'm from, my, my, my homeland. And at that restaurant, we served Pepsi products. And it was really obnoxious, really obnoxious as hell. And, and I didn't realize how like, how like easy I was getting it because this was like a nice steakhouse. So like the majority of our clientele were adults and the majority of the drinks ordered, you know, was like wine and and wine cocktails and water, you know, like that was the majority of what we sold. We didn't sell a lot of soda. It was a nice restaurant. People go out. It's a nice dinner kind of thing. It's a place you take someone you want to impress. It's the kind of place you take someone if you're trying to, if you're trying to court them and get them on your, on your team, no frosted pop tarts. It's a very nice place. And so, Occasionally, when people would order soda, it would be this thing of like, oh, yeah, I'll have a Coke. It's like, okay, we got Pepsi. Is that okay? And it's like, no, Pepsi, that's not going to do it. Blah, 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 blah. Give me a Bud Light. Okay, whatever. End of story. But then I moved on to work at the California Pizza Kitchen, and that place did the same thing. They had Pepsi, not not Coke. And I thought, you know, maybe this is just what maybe this was just meant to be for me because I'm a Pepsi guy. It seems like every restaurant I work in leans Pepsi. Maybe this is just meant to be. But quickly, you know, shortly after I started at the at the California Pizza Kitchen, the company switched over from Pepsi to Coke, which really pissed me off because I really enjoyed, you know, at work, I really enjoyed having endless free access to Mountain Dew, Sierra Mist, Pepsi, whatever I wanted. But now I was limited to like Coke, Diet Coke. Here's the, here's the one thing. Let me tangent on this tangent. Here's one thing I really hate is like you can say what you want about Coke versus Pepsi. You can be a Coke guy. That's fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. That's all great. But this is something we cannot deny. When you go to a restaurant or a fast food place or someplace with a soda fountain and they have Pepsi, you get way more variety than you do at a, at a Coke place. You go to like a fucking Arby's before they switch to before they switch to Coke. You go to a California Pizza Kitchen before they switch to Coke. You go to anywhere that probably switched to Coke eventually. It's like you got Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Pepsi Max, uh, Sierra Mist, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, and then just like all this other, sh- you, you know, you get like all, all the cool flavors. You get fucking like Powerade or you get like Gatorade and all this shit. I don't know. They they give you everything like Tropicana. You get all the fun variety of drinks. You get like maybe like eight to 12 different brands. But you go to a place that has Coke and it's so fucking boring. And it's like Coke has a big variety of sodas. But like unless it's like a Coke freestyle machine, you just get so little variety. It's like you got Coke, Diet Coke. Coke Zero, Coke Zero Diet Max, Max Coke Diet Peach, whatever, fucking Vanilla Coke, Cherry Coke. It's like eight brands of fucking Coke. And then you get, like, Sprite. It's basically just, like, Sprite or 20 varieties of Coke. What would you like? It's, like, it's so fucking lame. You get no variety. You get variety of one thing and nothing else. 
But you go to the Pepsi place and you got like, ah, oh, you got you got everything. What do you want? What are you feeling, bitch? You you feeling you feeling some Fresca today? Even though Fresca is a Coke product, I don't give a shit. Pepsi's gonna give it to you because they give you variety. Um, but anyway, that that's a tangent. What I want to say here is, it was always frustrating to me that people in restaurants were so resistant towards trying something else. It's like, listen. You're out here, you're at this restaurant, you're, you're out and you're exposed, you're in public, you're trying something different, you know, you're putting yourself out there, you're seeing how the universe will receive you when you de- when you make the decision to get out there and eat at a restaurant. So maybe you should get out of your comfort zone. Maybe you should say, hey, waiter, I asked for a Coke, you said you got Pepsi, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like a changed man today. I think I'll take the goddamn Pepsi and see where life brings me. But no, that's not how people are. People want just say me everything. It's so like it's like like me telling a customer, "I'm so sorry, we don't have a Coke. Would a would a Pepsi be all right?" It's basically like the equivalent of like someone coming up to me and being like, "I'm sorry, we don't have Windows Phone. Would iOS work for you?" It's like they just go fucking nuts and they start like flipping tables like, "This is unacceptable. We're going to go eat somewhere." I've had so many customers Tell me shit like, we don't support your restaurant anymore because you don't carry Coke. We won't go eat here anymore even though we like the food because you don't get Coke. I've had customers who bring in their own Coke. I've had that happen so many times. You get like those suburban like old white bitches who are just like, yeah, we bring our own can of Diet Coke because we know you guys have that disgusting Pepsi shit. I'm like, ma'am, there's nothing more disgusting than, than Diet Coke. The shit they literally use to wash fucking like cancer off of children like that's how they that's that's what chemotherapy is they basically inject children with diet coke because the fucking acidity burns the tumors away like are you gonna tell me that you can't drink a pepsi because you'd rather have a diet coke of all things but the video you sent me Doomhammer, that's what it made me think of, so I just had to I had to go off on that but yeah I think your actual question was any quirky names you've tried of I don't know I I I think I've had squirt that's weird. I've tried Mellow Yellow. It's disgusting. I don't know. You know what I'm really into as far as like off-brand sodas is? It, are, it's like I really love trying off-brand root beers. And I think I've talked about this. I like the crafty root beers. I like the Abita root beer on tap. I like the actually Red Hair. Red Hair is it? That uh, Bunny Beer Brewer or whatever. They make a good tap root beer. I like to go to like, oddly enough, Usually it's like healthy stores. It's like Whole Foods and in, in, in like those hipstery overpriced health food stores that usually have like an oddly good selection of like off-brand sodas or like crafty root beers and shit. Virgil is a good brand. They make a cream soda. They make a birch beer. They make a root beer. They're all fantastic. You can go sometimes like some of those like shittier supermarkets. And you'll see like the Frosty's brand of soda. They'll do like blue and red and all these weird colored sodas and you know what another good soda is is jones if you ever go i don't know where to get it around here i used to get it at kroger's when i lived in georgia but they don't have kroger's here in florida so i don't i don't fucking know where to get it but jones soda oh man so good it's like super like artsy and shit they'll do all this like cool kid art and photography on their on their cans like one of their cans the cream soda i believe even has like a picture of spaceship earth from epcot but like yeah they'll just do like they they do some cool like cream sodas and and berry flavored sodas and cola and shit. And Jones soda's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I as far as off brand quirky sodas and shit, I, I I tend to stay away from that. You know me. There's always enough variety. There's always a new Mountain Dew flavor out there for me to be pursuing. That to where it, it keeps me busy enough. I don't need to be curious and out there exploring the field and trying other sodas because Mountain Dew satisfies me. So does that satisfy your answer? I am. I'm content with my relationship with Mountain Dew, and I don't really seek any outside love. 
Whew. Okay, so that's out of the way. Guys, Mr. Miggy comes in with our first legit comment of the week. And by legit, I mean the first comment from YouTube. And says, smaller comment this time. Burger fry is amazing. Yes. Chocolate cheesecake is amazing. Correct again. Halo 4 at 120 frames per second is amazing. Mr. Miggy, you just won the jackpot. Ding, 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 ding. Someone get this man a sash that says, I'm amazing. Because this man knows what's up. Can you imagine, like... What an amazing Friday night that would be if it's like you get off work, you go home, you put on some cologne, you get your skinny jeans on and your Xbox t-shirt and you go, let's go to Burger Fry. This is this is a post-pandemic world. We're not wearing masks. No one's getting sick anymore, okay? We're all immune to everything. You can get fucking, you can get polio and you wouldn't even know because we're so goddamn genetically enhanced as humans. But you go out to the Burger Fry, you get the double slapper of cheeseburgers and, and you don't get ketchup on because you're not a goddamn fucking war criminal and and then you're like oh that burger was delicious you know it'd be really good as if we uh as if we got some chocolate cheesecake to go with it and then you walk on down to the conveniently uh placed cheesecake factory that's right behind the burger fry uh in this scenario and you go in you say waiter table for one and you get a whole goddamn chocolate cheesecake and you eat the whole thing and you don't care who sees it you don't give a shit you're wearing skinny jeans you don't care your ass looks great when you eat cheesecake and those things. And then you go home and you say, wow, I got the burger. I got the cheesecake. Uh, there was no traffic on my drive home. That was nice. Um, what am I going to do now on this Friday night since I'm young? I am I'm energetic and I have hours before I will find myself seeking refuge in my bed. And you pop on the Xbox and boom, you got Halo 4 running at 120 FPS. That sounds like... Oh, great. I mean, that sounds like a, an amazing weekend. If I come back to work on Monday and you're telling me that's what you were doing on Friday night, Saturday night, whatever it was, I'm jealous. Count me in. So Lethal Migraine comes in next and says, just note, if you want to put your series console in dev mode, it's a one-time fee of $20 from what I've heard. Well, 20 bucks to make your, your console capable of playing like every console game ever. It's pretty much worth it in my opinion. So uh, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't do it just because I don't. I I don't fuck with my stuff, you know. Like if I buy expensive hardware, I'm I'm the kind of person who tries to make something look and remain as like new and intact as possible. So I I wouldn't fuck with my Series X, but it's nice to know that you could potentially make it run PS2 games, and that's of course what your comment was in reference to. Sarugi says sad re sad reacts to those in Australia. No Papa John's. No In and Out Burger. No Wendy's. Here Wendy's is, or it was, an ice cream parlor similar to Dairy Queen. No Earl of Sandwich, no Chick-fil-A, and all of that. I'll just quietly enjoy my Vegemite sandwiches and Lamington's. Oh my god, Sergi, you poor man. Listen, before I finish with your comment, I would just like to say, if I can pick a favorite, if I can pick a favorite favorite segment of my audience geographically, it's my it's it's the Australian listeners. I think all the Australian listeners are my favorite. You guys are the most energetic and fun and interesting in no offense to my American listeners, but fuck you all go be cool. Like the Australians go make, go make a badass Forza game set in your country and then we'll talk. Okay. I don't know. I just, I just have a weird soft spot for you. Australian listeners. I want to go to your country and look at that old indoor Sega arcade amusement park thing that's since been abandoned i guess that's really what i'm getting at but um you continue with your comment and say and shout out to k dog for becoming the newest aussie listener on your podcast i've single-handedly doubled your listenership from just me uh, to now me and one other guy <laughs> coincidentally it's also his birthday on friday so if you could wish him a happy birthday that would be great k dog 
happy birthday. Technically, this podcast is coming out on Thursday, so it's an early birthday wish. But nonetheless, happy birthday. Thank you for listening to the show in May. And may your Friday night, maybe that Friday night I was describing from Mr. Miggy, is actually your birthday night. Maybe that's what you're doing on Friday night. You're going to the Burger File, though I doubt you got one in Australia. And then you're going to the Cheesecake Factory, which I, again, maybe doubt that you have in Australia. But then you're going home to play Halo 4 at 4K, 120 FPS. You can do that in Australia, as, as far as I know. Uh, so there you go. Happy birthday, and enjoy being awesome. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, lastly, Sergi says, the podcast continues to be on the up and up, and I'm glad to see it grow. Keep up the good work, mate. Actually, Sergi, while I appreciate that comment, I don't know that the podcast is on the up and up, actually. The numbers have become kind of stagnant. I think we've hit the ceiling. I think you and K-Dog and the, and the rest have proven yourselves to be the only ones insane enough to listen to a podcast where the host kind of insinuates you're like a Nazi if you eat unfrosted Pop-Tarts and then tries to brand it as an Xbox show. So I think we've kind of hit the ceiling on who's willing to listen to that shit. But nonetheless, I'm extremely happy with my show because, or our show, I should say, because it's it's extremely fun when you guys write in and we get to have this ridiculous bullshit conversation. Um conversations rather that we that we have on the show so i'm good with that i'm I'm grateful for the success i've had with it in that regard and i appreciate each and every one of you listening unless you're lethal migraine who tried to convince me that popeye's chicken was shit lethal migraine i used to love you then you said what you said about mcdonald's you said what you said about taco bell you said what you said about popeye's and now i just don't know that you can take those things back josiah my brother here says a halo battle royale uh, would be a very bad idea. The moment of spotlight for that genre has passed, and I don't think it would serve to make the game a, get ridiculed even more than in, than it inevitably will. That's actually a really good point, and I think that's exactly why there probably won't be a Battle Royale game. I definitely think there was a Halo Battle Royale game at one point. I definitely still think that at one point there was a Halo Battle Royale mode for Halo 5 or maybe Halo Infinite, but... Yeah, I, I am with you there as well that I think it's since been scrapped. People keep saying, you know, like Halo Infinite's been in development forever. I can't believe it's still not out. It's like I don't think people really understand what's happening with Halo Infinite and like why its development cycle is incredibly warranted. It's like, first of all, it hasn't been five, six years since Halo 5 it, in terms of development for Halo Infinite. It's like, no, after Halo 5, they started building the slip space engine, okay? They didn't just jump into... It wasn't like Halo 5 came out October 27, 2015, and then on October 28th, they started making Halo Infinite. That's not what happened. They started making a goddamn new engine for Halo. They started post-supporting Halo 5. They were working on Halo Master Chief Collection. There's a lot that they were working on, and and the big thing for those first two years, I would assume, roughly, was working on that new engine for Halo, not the, necessarily the new game. They're also, you know, working with all the other media stuff and Halo Wars 3 and all this shit, so it hasn't just been Halo 5 entire dry spell for half a decade. So, first of all, there's that. Second of all, you know, Halo Infinite is already going to be a totally packed game that we now know is an open world game. It's kind of a platform for the next 10 years for Halo. And it's got to run from everything from a base Xbox One to a super high-end PC to an Xbox Series X. So, like, there's a lot going into this next Halo. The last thing you need to do is waste more time overstuffing it with a Battle Royale mode. You know, if you're going to add extra content, make sure you include something like Forge. You know, something that's like distinctively halo don't don't fixate on battle royale you know give us the campaign give us the multiplayer give us forge focus on making it pretty and clean and well polished and accessible despite the platform you're playing on focus on these things don't 
don't do the Call of Duty. We don't need a Warzone. Fuck Warzone. Fuck Fortnite. Master Chief's already going to be in the Fortnite, apparently, so we don't need that. Joe Joe Murphy says, been loving playing games on my new Series X with my new 4K TV that I bought for it. The TV is so much better than the old-ass 1080p TV I had. Fried chicken is all good chicken. Sandwiches are the bomb. On the fast food topic, I wish they had a White Castle here, wherever here is. I've never had the McRib either. When they come back, I'm going to finally try one. Tetris Connect is awesome. P.S. Taco Bell is the fast food standard. It's the best place to go when everyone, when everyone's hungry. Well, Joe, I appreciate your comment because I relate to a lot of what you're saying. Lots of happiness and congrats and success to you on the acquisition and the in the adoption of your new Xbox Series X and 4K TV. I hope you are loving them to death. Seems like you are. So congrats on all that. Um, and everything else, I mean, what else can I say? I love fried chicken, so you're the best. I love Taco Bell. I agree with everything you're saying. Tetris is good. Um, now, I don't know where you live, but you say, I wish I had White Castle here. Dude, I don't have White Castle where I am either, but I, I went to Kentucky a few years ago. Uh, pray for me. Um, and I tried White Castle while I was there because they had it there. And I got to be honest, White Castle is so incredibly overrated. It, it was like I was so excited to get to go to a White Castle, but their food is gross and and soggy and, and just boring and shit. Like, I'm, I'm not a crazy fan of Crystal's. But I'd rather have Crystal than White Castle. It's just not that good. So you're not missing out on much there. And then you say, I never had the McRib. Well, maybe you'll try it soon. And then, yeah. So thanks for writing in, Joe. I hope you're enjoying that new console, that new TV. Don't don't feel too bad about White Castle. You're really not missing anything. Lethal Migraine, what is this you had to say here? You say, I find it odd that you put... Mm, lethal? God damn it. I find it odd you push the worst trash restaurant ever, Jesse, in McDonald's but don't like as much vastly superior KFC or Chick-fil-A. McDonald's is disgusting. It's inedible, and that's shown by McDonald's business shrinking nine or ten quarters in a row. Five Guys is the most generic burger. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just there. Not worth the money. Not worth going out of your way for. Wendy's is better. Culver's is better. Shake Shack has mediocre shakes, uh, but amazing burgers. Hardee's is better. Freddy's Steak Burgers are super good, too. Lethal Migraine, to just just real quick, just the fastest way to put this. I was really excited to one day try Raising Cane's on your recommendation. You were the one who told me that you haven't had the best fast food chicken until you've had Raising Cane's. And I said, I've heard this name before. I don't know what it's like. I looked it up. I'm like, oh, it kind of looks like Zaxby's a little bit. I, I, I was excited about it. I watched a YouTube video about it. I looked at their menu. I, I got excited. My, my mouth started watering. And I said, someday... I will go to a Raising Cane's, and when I do, I will think I will thank Lethal Migraine for pointing this out to me. So that was my first instinct when you told me about that. But now that you're just revealing how shit your opinions are about food, shitting on Five Guys, shitting on McDonald's, shitting on Popeyes, and more and, and more offensive than any of those things, praising Culver's, which is objective shit, praising Shake Shack. Now I can't respect your opinion because what you're proving to me is you don't have taste. How the fuck are you going to say Five Guys is generic and basic, but Culver's is better? I've only had Culver's once in my life, and that is one time too many. Culver's is disgusting, and I eat anything. I eat garbage, but Culver's is unacceptable. I've never had Freddy's. I've always tried to, but now I might just avoid them altogether because you recommended it. Lethal Migraine, you are pushing me, okay? You take it back. 
You fucking take it back. You go to McDonald's. You order a double cheeseburger. You ask for no ketchup. You eat that thing and you pray to God that he shows mercy on your fucking soul. So that when you die, maybe, if you're lucky, the McDonald's gods will show some shred of sympathy for your pathetic food taste, okay? This is like, I'm I'm up to here. You can't see it. It's an audio-only podcast. But I have my hand up. I'm up to here with, with your shit, okay? Take it back. Say something nice about the D. Sam Torres writes in, this is the weird part. Of the, guys, skip ahead a little bit if you if you need to. These last two comments here are pretty lengthy. I'm going to maybe just skim through them a little bit, but Sam Torres is taking the place of of that guy that used to write in with these lengthy, beautiful, poetic soliloquies that I just have to I just have to share because they're beautiful and they're well written and, and you can tell there's a lot of love that went into them. So without further ado, Sam Torres says, if I were to tell you how worried I was going to this new generation from about April of this year on about the Xbox breaking sales records, obliterating Sony at their launch, getting off to a good start and winning the console race, you'd probably laugh at my shallowness. Hell, just go ahead and have a nice fat chuckle. When I finally saw Sony's design for the PS5 earlier this this fall, I was dreading the shift in power. I mean, really look at it. As an Xbox fan, I was sure no one would be interested in the solar pillar reverse ice cream sandwich. Then came the Bethesda deal. Holy shit, now everyone will jump ship to Xbox and the fan base will become the crowd that that shits most on the other console. Luckily, we kept our status as hungry underdogs of the fat Phoenician's obelisk. We were meant to be scrappy. We, We were meant to have enjoyed the drippings. Xbox is still our determination of how gaming is a pastime, not a measuring not a measuring stick for how to hurt fellow gamers using playground politics of popularity. Really well put there. As a comparison, I'd like to show. <laughs> as a comparison, I'd like uh, to know what your thoughts are on a f- on the few Xbox One diehard gamers in Japan. Do you think when they register an Xbox in Japan, the police keep tabs on you like a sociopath? <laughs> you think the Xbox population is so low prior to the launch of the series consoles in Japan that that they came with a bo- that they came with a boilerplate suicide slash shame letter that leaves a blank area for your family name or comes with a DNA test specifically for an extra Y chromosome? That one or two guys who own the Xbox One pledge their allegiance to the Xbox One, have Xerox memos uh, after hours on the company copiers about Xbox rules, have to have the strongest wills to survive. We, back here in the U.S., have it easy. We can be satisfied with the knowledge of our console of choice. It just keeps uh, opening the gates and welcoming in more gamers of all walks of life. But they love to spit in our faces. Yes, Xbox did not fuck up. They remained my cross to carry... They remain my cross to carry as others sling their bug snacks and buzzy haptic feedback controllers in my face. I will make everyone aware that, quote, Xbox is sick in the most grating Steve uh, Buscemi voice I can muster. Thanks, Jesse. You and the pot, you and your podcast elevate the Xbox. Well, thank you, Sam Torres. Those are really well written. First of all, I, I think you actually, you know, maybe you're just joking here for the most part, but I actually think you bring up a good point here, which is that it's really surprising that of all things, or at least when you put it the way you put it, which in all fairness, I know you're just trying to, you're trying to like, you know, make, make a point, but also be lighthearted and fun. But if you really, you know, your point obviously leaves out a few key details, but not, not, not out of, not out of malice, but you know, out, out, out to make a point. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is that 
when you when you put it the way you put it, where it's just like, you know, Xbox Series X was announced first, it looked better than PS5, it's more powerful than PS5, they bought Bethesda, they did all this shit, it's like, wow, how is Xbox not going to take the mantle of, like, the premier console this generation, you know? And then Sony came out, and they were, like, fumbling with shit, they wouldn't show anything, they, it was obviously less powerful consoles, rumored to be more expensive, blah, 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 less accessible, all this shit, no backwards compatibility, or really limited and gimped backwards compatibility, all this shit that Sony was kind of fumbling with, it really seemed like for a minute there, it's like, okay, Xbox should definitely take the crown right now, but then it just didn't happen, you know, it's like everything, everything Microsoft did, everything Sony did, none of it fucking mattered for the most part in this kind of arbitrary console wars uh, perspective, at least, where I'm, I'm sure... Microsoft being a lot better with the Series X marketing lead up and everything and the way they handled the brand from, you know, the announcement last year all the way to the release this year. I'm sure that greatly benefited Xbox and that, yes, the series consoles are, you know, better received and and perceived by the public than, you know, the Xbox one was back in late 2013. But whatever they did that was good, it just definitely wasn't enough to beat PlayStation. I mean, like, just think anecdotally for one, like, Go anywhere right now and ask someone like about the new consoles. Everyone's like, oh yeah, PS5 is impossible to find. It's sold out everywhere. I wish I could get a PS5. Oh, the PS5 looks sick. Whatever, whatever. Be like, hey, what about that Xbox? I'll be like, oh yeah, there's that new Xbox. Stupid Xbox. It doesn't matter. And this is a thing I think really people forget or, or fail to, to notice as far as patterns are concerned is we're now at the point where there have been enough generations of Xbox and PlayStation that the 360 wasn't the one-time Xbox started to show like we we played our cards right and we did all the right things and now we're going to beat PlayStation and we're going to be the number one console. The Xbox 360 was actually the story of the time Microsoft was was their their one fluke generation, the time that their their outlier in terms of like that console brand, right? 360 did good because for a couple reasons, because it came out a year earlier, it came out cheaper, it had the innovations first. PlayStation really, really fucked up with pricing and messaging and all those things with the PS3. So it was this combination of Xbox being better with the marketing, more friendly, more affordable, most importantly, first. And then the other part of the equation, because it's not just about what what Microsoft does right, it's also about what Sony does right or wrong. The other part of that equation is what Sony did wrong, which is so much. And the most important thing is that price there. It's it's the fact that you could have gotten a 360 for as low as 300 and a PS3 for as low as like five, six hundred. So it's the fact that, you know, Sony fucked up every way imaginable and Xbox knocked out of the park every way imaginable. And so that's why the 360 was so successful. But you got to remember, like at the end of that generation, PS3 caught up. You know, Sony did right throughout the rest of the generation to make up for that shit. And at the very end, they caught up. PS3 actually outsold the 360 when you look at global final sales for those consoles. So when you really think about it, it's like, the success of the 360 is actually an outlier for the Xbox brand. Sony and the PlayStation brand are just by default the popular place. And the reason why that's a relevant story to, to today's situation is that, you know, Sony fucked up in the PS3 generation and had to, you know, make up for it over the over that, that decade or so. And then 
Xbox fucked up in their third generation as well with the Xbox One and then has spent these past, you know, five, seven years trying to make up for lost ground and, and remarket and, you know, change the public perception. So both brands did the same thing. And and I think the thing to note there is that there seems to be this trend that's like hubris where like the where these consoles like just fucking fall flat on their face. These brands, they fuck up because they, they, they experience so much success that they're like, yeah, our audience will just will just do whatever the fuck we tell them because they love us. And that's not how it is. Gamers are really finicky and they will revolt if they don't 100% love everything you're doing. So I think everyone's experienced that. Even Nintendo has like NES was great. Super Nintendo was great. We can all look back on the N64 with nostalgic lenses like like we like to do and talk about how we were all playing GoldenEye and in Mario 64 back when really almost no one was because the N64 sold like shit. But like the reality is like the N64 fucking fell flat on its face compared to the PlayStation 1. The PlayStation 1 dominated the I think the N64 sold like something like 24 million units or maybe not even that much by the end of its generation, the PlayStation 1 sold like over 100 million units. Like, PlayStation 1 fucking clobbered N64. That was Nintendo's third generation. So it seems like there's this trend of like third generation slumps, like junior slumps, I guess, where like Nintendo fucked up with the N64 and uh, Sony fucked up with the PS3, which is their third attempt. Xbox fucked up with the Xbox One, which is their third attempt. It seems to be a trend, but if if there's anything we've seen, you know, from GameCube onward, from PS4 onward, from Xbox Series X onward, it seems like there's this reactionary trend, you know, with the exception of the Wii U, of course, where it seems like the brand matures. It learns its lesson after that. So what makes this new generation so interesting to me is that it's not, you know... In the 360 generation, it was a it was an ego-driven PlayStation and a young and hungry Xbox. And then in the Xbox One generation, it was it was a, a hubris-filled, like just like just overly confident, cocky, shitty Xbox that fucked up. And then it was a mature and learned Sony with the PS4. But now we're on to the Series X generation where what we have is two mature, very mature brands. And if you want to count Nintendo, three very mature brands. Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, all three brands know exactly what they're doing. They've had their successes, they've had their failures, they know what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they know what their audience wants. It's why Nintendo doesn't give a shit about half-decent multiplayer, it's why Nintendo doesn't give a shit about power, or or next-gen features, or any of that shit, because Nintendo knows what makes them special is their weird quirkiness, and they're like, toy-like accessories and consoles and they're really really fun games that have god-awful stories but are fixated on in crazy ingenious mechanics and fun gameplay and great polish that's what nintendo's bread and butter is and they excel at it because they're mature and they know how to play into it sony's the same way sony knows it's about games 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 it's about literally nothing but games it's about every seven years you buy a new expensive piece of hardware and we make a bunch of fucking awesome games usually pretty uh story driven like focused or single player focused and you just buy games and we make a shit ton of money off that games games stories games consoles games whatever that's sony's thing and now we have a very mature xbox that's playing into its strengths it knows the xbox fan fan base is very much into power powerful console really next gen high performance that kind of stuff xbox fans are like the pc gamers of the console space it's about high performance it's about backwards compatibility it's about new and innovative features you gotta think about it xbox was the one who was like a hard drive built into your console, uh, always connected internet device, you know, an all-in-one entertainment system, an, an operating system on your console that's a multimedia device. All these things Xbox has done throughout its history are very innovative things. If, if you think about it, Xbox is kind of 
the most responsible of all the brands for the way we look at a console and the way we play games now more than ever, what with the internet and just really robust operating systems and consoles that do a lot more than just play video games. And so it's like the three brands have really figured out what it is that their audience loves about them, what it is that makes them distinct, and they play into it. And what we've learned as a result of that is people really love PlayStation through and through, no matter what, because it's been there a long time, it's been great, and they're all about the games. People really love Nintendo because it's cute, it's fun, it's great for all ages, it's great for local multiplayer, it's nostalgic, and it's it's safe. You always know a Nintendo game is, at the very least, going to be fine, or suitable, or fun, whatever, you know? And then Xbox is just kind of in this third place of, like, we don't necessarily need you, and yeah, you're old enough to now be nostalgic, but you weren't there before PlayStation or Nintendo, so the majority of the market's already tied to one of those brands, and it's just all these things that are just kind of impossible endless hurdles from Xbox, where it's like, you're almost better off as Xbox, as a brand with Xbox, if you just accept the fact that you have your fans, you might, you know, grow here and there, but at the end of the day, you're not better off fighting PlayStation by trying to do their game better than them. You're better off by just saying, what are our strengths and weaknesses? Let's lean into them as hard as we can fucking go and let people find us on their own. And that's kind of what Xbox is doing more than anything now. I mean, and, and they are sticking to, true to their nature of like, hey, we're just going to innovate on the games industry and continue to envision what video games will be 10, 20 years down the line because that's what Xbox has always done. That's why we see them pushing so heavy in, into cloud gaming and in and this fluidity of like play on old consoles, play on new consoles, play on PC, I don't give a shit, you know, profiles and streaming services and accounts and services over just regular consoles because that's Xbox. And man, this is like a massive tangent, but what I'm trying to say here is it's crazy to think that it looked like Xbox Series X was positioned and poised to dominate this generation. And it looked like PlayStation was in a position to like kind of fumble a little bit. But I think Sony's mature enough now to know what does and doesn't matter with PlayStation. Xbox is mature enough at this point to realize and, and know what is and isn't right for Xbox. And so it, it just is what it is. It's a, gaming is a mature market at this point. Gamers know they love PlayStation. It's always been good to them. It's always delivered the games. Even though PS5 isn't as powerful as the Series X, it's plenty powerful. The games look plenty good. And PlayStation has never put out a console that was super shitty and underpowered and didn't have good games. So there's no reason for gamers to think, oh man, if I be if I buy a PS5, it might it might not be like the PS1, 2, 3, or 4 and have good games and good graphics and everything. It's like, no. PlayStation has made you very secure in knowing that Buying a PS5, investing in a PS5 is going to assure you great games, plenty of them, a really nice console with great hardware in a super inferior controller. And and that's just the thing. It's like they, they have the market. They just have, I don't know. So it, it's, I guess what I'm really trying to say, God, this is a long comment, but like, I, I think at this point, it's not really about what, play, what Xbox can do to bite into Sony's market. It's about what Xbox can do separate from what Sony does to expand their market. So, you know, it's not like between every Xbox and PlayStation gamer, if you add them all up, accounts for 100% of gamers. And Xbox is trying to take portions of Sony so they can have the bigger portion. It's like Xbox needs to stop looking at what Sony has and saying, how can I have that? And start looking at the massive blue ocean strategy of like, there are so many people in this world, people will play games. How can we reach those people? Rather than PlayStation gamers, it's about people. 
And I think it's going to be more successful for them in the long run. I think you're going to see a very different Xbox in, in five years. Once once Game Pass is a mature platform and, and we're used to this newer era of Xbox, I think you're going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, it's crazy to think what Xbox was in 2013, 2015 and to think what it is now because Xbox is going to be a thing people, if this is all successful, you know, thing people are playing on on their computers and their phones and everything, and they're playing all sorts of games from small games to big games, and it's all going to be through a, a streaming service, and it's just, it's not going to be the Xbox we know right now. It's not going to be the the Gears 5, Halo 5, Forza 5, fuck you, nothing else, Halo or Xbox that we're used to, so... I don't even know if I'm even speaking to your comment anymore. I think I'm just talking. I think I think this is just like my quota of Xbox talk. I have to get out of the way just so I can justify all the fast food talk. But our final comment uh, comes from Patrick, who says, I just recently treated myself, first time commenter, by the way. Thank you so much for commenting. Rounding out the comments, you say, I just recently treated myself to a Series X coming from a PS4 last generation. Mostly for an overall approach to gaming with Game Pass and stuff that just works best for my current life situation. Having played Halos 1 through 3 in the past with many memorable moments I recall, I skipped Halo 4, got some story summaries off YouTube for the sake of following up with everything, and jumped straight into Halo 5 Guardians, and wow, how disappointing was that campaign? It seems like as it seems like as the game progresses, it just loads more of the same enemies. Uh on you one guardian two guardian three guardians can you relate um i'm really skeptic about infinite now too seeing how the franchise seems to have evolved really like your podcasts but is there any chance you could provide timestamps? i was kind of overwhelmed by the fast food coverage in the last episode uh being a hypocrite too sometimes i still want to drop in uh that in and out cheeseburger uh was my absolute favorite what absolutely tore up my whole holiday cruise uh, stomachs was heart attack in vegas though Boy, what a shitty mess. I was really enjoying the overall satiric concept to fast food as a quote-unquote treatment. Probably you can't relate, but the food was utterly crap. All right, this is a... First of all, Patrick, thank you for writing in. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Xbox community. I don't mean to say, you know, fuck PlayStation. Glad you're here on the good side. But I, I do mean to say, you know, welcome here to the Xbox community. Obviously, it's not like you can't buy a PlayStation and still enjoy PlayStation at some point if you want to. But it, it is exciting to have kind of a sense of belonging or like a sense of community with, you know, the brand you associate with and, and use. So welcome to the Xbox community in that respect. I hope you really enjoy your Series X. So... <laughs> That, that's the nice stuff. Now we gotta get into the mean stuff, okay? Halos 1 through 3, you play them in the past, memorable moments, great games. Skipped Halo 4, go back and play Halo 4. It's phenomenal, okay? You just, you, you gotta, you gotta go into, you gotta go into Men in Black and get one of those pens that wipes your memory and wipe your brain of all the Halo shit, okay? Go into Halos 4 and 5 completely blank, without any preconceived notions, without anyone telling you Halo 5 has a shitty story, Halo 4 has bad multiplayer, whatever the the tropes are about these games, you know? Play them for yourself and make your own assessments, okay? Halo 4 is great. Now, Halo 5 Guardians, you, you said you played it. I'm not going to assume your lack of enthusiasm for the game is a result of all the negativity on the internet. Maybe you didn't know a lot of that stuff, so I won't say that, but... Again, you're welcome. As I've said in the past, as I've said in the past, you're welcome to not like the game. You're welcome to think it was overrated. But might I just say, I think Halo Five Guardians has a fantastic campaign. Let's set the story aside because that's the thing people want to shit on the most is the story. I actually think Halo Five has some of the best gunplay, gun variety, enemy variety, and level design of any of the Halo games. I think it's really great. You got the 
You got the Prometheans, which are actually fun to fight now, and they're better balanced. You've got all the Promethean weapons, which are actually fun to fight with now. Uh, you've got all the Covenant weaponry, and then you got the UNSC weaponry. So tons and tons of weapon variety, and they all feel great. And then you've got great enemy variety because you fight Covenant, Prometheans, which is, you know, just like Halo 4, a lot of enemy variety. And then I think the level design is really cool. I think I think the levels look awesome. I think there's a lot of verticality to the levels. There's a lot of nice fight scenarios and little hidden paths and alternate routes. I think Halo 5 has pretty great gameplay and level design. Now, I understand the criticism of, like, overfighting the Warren Eternal, Eternal too many times. Sure. I, I even agree with that criticism. I think you fight him too many times. It's kind of a cheap boss fight. Sure. But that's a small portion of the game relative to the rest of the levels and the rest of what you're doing in the campaign. I I personally just really like the campaign in Halo five. So you're not going to find me agreeing with you on that, but of course you are entitled to your own opinion. Um, Hopefully you play some Halo five multiplayer and at least find some fun in that because it seems like everyone at least universally agrees that Halo five has pretty rock solid multiplayer. So if you got time for that, maybe, uh, maybe that's something worth checking out. I, I would, I'd be, I would remain optimistic about infinite now though. I, I think Halo Infinite is going to be a very, very different Halo game from 4 and 5. I think 343 is trying really hard to get away from, their, for better or for worse, their interpretation of Halo. And they're trying to find this happy medium of like an evolution of the franchise, plus what they've brought in, plus what Bungie created. So you might find, I think you're going to find something a little closer to those older Halos with Infinite, but I guess we'll still have to wait and see. Now, as for your fast food thing here, you say... You, you mentioned in and out of course, we've talked about it, but you mentioned Heart Attack in Vegas. So I actually know what this place is. I've seen this on the Travel Channel. It's that, it's that, or I saw a news, I don't know. I've seen this on the, I think it was the Travel Channel, but it's that restaurant where like, it's in Vegas where like, um, like the servers are like waitresses and like the, the chef is like the doctor and like, it's kind of like a role play restaurant where like you have like those art, like triple bypass burgers or whatever. And like the burgers are like absurdly large and disgusting and greasy and it's like a whole like thing. I'm really disappointed to see that you went there and the food was not good because I've always wanted to go there. That's one of those places where I'm like, oh, I'll probably never go, you know, but I would love to go there. So really disappointing to hear that it, it wasn't great. And uh, until you give me a reason to believe I can't trust your taste in food, I will take your word for it that that place is disappointing. Now, if you start espousing bullshit like fuck McDonald's, fuck Taco Bell, like Mr. Lethal Migraine. I might have to take your comment here with a grain of salt, but until then, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm still curious to try that place if I ever get the opportunity, but it is noted. And uh, for all of you who haven't ever heard of this, look, look up Heart Attack. It's a it's a burger restaurant in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, it looks really fun. There's a lot of like news stories that have been done on it and travel channel pieces that have been done on it, so I'm sure you can find some really good videos on it, but yeah, it's, it, it looks like a fun place. Yeah, surprisingly, after five hours of uh, talking about Taco Bell, we're done with the comments. Done with all that, guys. That's it. Remember, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. And also, if I might add, I really appreciate the long comments, guys, but I am trying to keep them down a little bit just because uh, we end up doing this going an hour into the show without getting into the news. Um, so if you can, just try to keep them a little more abbreviated, but at the same time, I'm not going to really ding you for it because look at me, I still read them anyway, even if they are long. Oh, and Patrick, one last thing to your comment. Uh, I did add timestamps on your recommendation. I've thought about this for a long time. Should I add timestamps? But I'm a lazy fuck and I don't do it. But on your recommendation, I added in timestamps. So you're welcome. No, but for real, I, I added timestamps in for last week's episode because you mentioned it and I will start putting them on the YouTube video. So go into the description on YouTube and you will see there are timestamps. They're kind of broad, easy timestamps where it's like 
intro comments news small news games of gold stuff like that it's not like super detailed ones like a like a different timestamp for every comment but it's uh it should help break things up for those of you looking to skip some of the comments and get more into the news but anyway that's it for this week's comments don't don't be shy reply get log log into the youtube comment tell me something i don't know next week but now let's jump into what i've been playing but before i can tell you what i've been playing guys i've got to tell you about what i've been eating lethal migraine writes in and says the mcrib is bad Overly fatty, not very good tasting. We have a gas station chain here called Quick Trip. They have something similar to the McRib. It's much less fatty. Amazing barbecue sauce, and it's an outstanding sandwich. Lethal migraine, I think we've already determined that your opinion on food doesn't matter. But I, I bring this comment up because what have I been eating, guys? The McRib. So, yeah, earlier this week on Sunday, I spent the day at Epcot. And on my way home... I was like, you know what? I'm hungry. I didn't really eat anything at Disney today. I think I'm going to go for it. I think I'm going to pull the trigger, stop by McDonald's, and, and get the McRib. So I asked my girlfriend, I'm like, did you eat dinner? Do you want me to pick you anything up on my way home? And she goes, McDonald's? I'm like, do you want me to go to the grocery store and pick up some like broccoli or something so that we can live to see our grandchildren? And she goes, no, McDonald's sounds good. So I, pull, I, I, I whip it into the McDonald's drive-thru, and I order the McDonald's. And here's the thing is I'm thinking – Here's my chance. Got to try the McRib out of obligation. I got to know what it's like. You know, everyone's talking about it. I want to say something on the show. And I get up to the window and they're like, McDonald's, what do you want? Get out of here. Fuck off. And I'm like, I can't do it. I want to say the McRib. And I go, I'll take two double cheeseburgers, no ketchup, no mustard. And uh, give me a large fry and some chicken nuggets with that ranch sauce. And that was it, man. I just, I said my usual and I just skipped the McRib. It didn't happen. And so I came home, I enjoyed some delicious McDonald's, as I always do, and the McRib was passed on. But today, literally right before I record this podcast, you know, my girlfriend was like, oh man, you know, uh, let me pick something up, because, you know, you gotta record the podcast when you get home from work, blah, 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 so I'll pick something up. So I, uh, I come home from work, and what do I see on the counter but a McRib? Guys, she thought of me. She got the McRib. She said, I wanted you to try it before you record the podcast because I want to hear what you think about it. So she got me the McRib. It was the sweetest thing ever. And uh, so, yeah, we, we, what, do, what do you want me to say? I tried it. I've had the McRib. It's done. It's over. McRib has been accomplished. Achievement unlocked 15 gamer score. I swear to God, if you eat the McRib and the achievement is odd gamer score, if it's like seven or like four gamer score, I'd be so pissed. I would go to McDonald's. And I would say some lethal migraine shit. I would be like, you guys suck. This place sucks. Uh, but no, in, in all honesty, I tried the McRib. It was 15 gamer score. It's fine. It's not going to fuck up my gamer score at all. It's, uh, guys, it's exactly what I thought it was. It is 100%. I will say my favorite thing about the McRib is every time you taste the onion or the pickle, it tastes distinctively McDonald's because McDonald's onions and pickles taste like McDonald's to me. So, like, that was my favorite part of it, was eating the onions and the pickles, because it just, I was like, oh, yeah, this is McDonald's. But the bun and the sauce and the and the, and the pork meat, I gotta be honest, guys, it tastes exactly like what it looks like. Like, it is a very cheap, generic, like, run-of-the-mill, like, mystery meat pork sandwich. Like, it is just nothing special. Like, it's not bad by any means. I'm not shitting on the McRib. Like, was it good? Did I finish it? Of course. Would I ever order it again? No. Like, and this is why the McDonald's cheeseburger is so special. Nothing in this world tastes like a McDonald's burger. People always lie. People love lying. And they say things like, oh, this place has a burger that tastes just like McDonald's. Or like, I know how to make a burger that tastes like a McDonald's burger or a Big Mac or whatever. It's like everyone who tells you that is a communist. 
because they're fucking lying to you. It's just not true. Nothing in this world tastes like a McDonald's cheese. There's there's one and only thing that tastes like there's one and only thing in this whole world that tastes like a McDonald's cheeseburger. You know what it is? A fucking McDonald's cheeseburger. So when I go to the McDonald's drive-thru and someone says, you can have the McRib, which is fine, but it tastes kind of like a cafeteria mystery meat rib sandwich or a frozen, frozen TV dinner rib meal thing. It's good, but it's nothing, it's nothing to write home about. When my options are that or a McDonald's cheeseburger, which tastes like nothing else but a McDonald's cheeseburger, no other place has this. It's so good. It's so delicious. It's so distinct. It's so iconic. Why would I say, yeah, I'll take the McRib? Why? Because it's a limited time item? Because it's exclusive? Because there's hype around it? No. Fuck that. My taste buds don't cave into hype. My taste buds know right from wrong. And they know that goddamn double cheeseburger, hold the ketchup, is going to be way better than that McRib, which tastes almost identical to something from the frozen food aisle or something from my high school cafeteria. So no, I'm not going team McRib. If you're a McRib, if you're a McRib proponent, proponent, or, or a purveyor of the McRib, uh, I gotta say, I'm happy for you, I'm glad it's back in season, and that you can have it, but for me, no thanks, I'll stick to my double cheeseburger, or my quarter pounder, no ketchup of course, uh, my, my chicken nuggets with ranch, and my, my large french fry, I'll stick with that shit, because that's what McDonald's is all about, but anyway, I've had the McRib, it's been done, lethal migraine, I guess I'm agreeing with you to an extent, I don't think it's awful like you think it is, but I agree, it's not that special, and I'm sure... I wouldn't be surprised if the one at that if the if the rib sandwich at your quick trip uh, gas station is you know at, at least as good as a McRib. So not even gonna argue with you on that. So that's that's what I've been eating, guys. Now as for what I've been playing, if you must, uh, if you must know, I finished Yakuza Kiwami this past week. So that's knocked out, checked off the list. I even played the uh, Majima uh, side content that the DLC shit that comes with the game, which is it was awesome. Yeah, I've I've now beaten. All the Yakuza games on Game Pass. In fact, the only Yakuza game on Xbox I haven't played is the new one, Like a Dragon, uh, which I'll get around to. I'll probably wait for a price drop on it, to be honest. But it kind of makes me sad because I really want to play Yakuza's two through or three through six now. But those are only on PlayStation. I gotta I gotta break out the PS4 in order to play those. And to be honest with you, I really don't want to play my PS4. I try to avoid it at all costs. Not because I hate PlayStation, just but because like I just don't really feel at home when I'm playing games, when I'm on my Switch or my PS4 or my PC. Like, I really only feel at home playing a video game when I'm on my Xbox. So my thing is always like, is there a way I can wait for this to come to Xbox or play it on Xbox or just avoid playing it all together? You know, there are rare exceptions. You know, if it's like Spider-Man PS4 or God of War or Super Mario Odyssey, I'm like, okay, okay, I got to play this other piece of hardware. But if it's something like Yakuza, I'm like, and maybe it'll come to Xbox someday. I can probably just ignore it, right? So that's kind of where I am with that franchise now, but I cannot recommend it enough. I, I really mean this. Like, 2020 for me in gaming is the year of Yakuza. It's like a franchise I never thought I'd give a shit about, but I'm so glad I tried it. I cannot recommend this series enough. I mean, it, they're, they're just so good. Like, the, the stories are so good. The characters are so lovable. I'm super into uh, Kiryu-san, the uh, the main protagonist. He's he's like one of my favorite video game characters of all time, all of a sudden. He and, and Majima, the two, not the two main characters, but two, you know the main character and one of the more popular characters. Those are like two of my favorite fictional characters, just period, in media. I just, I really love Yakuza. I love these characters. The stories are fucking great. The, the, Yakuza is like my go-to dumb action story. It's just, it, I cannot recommend it enough. Gameplay is super fun. Story is amazing. Open world is like not too overwhelming, so it's pretty approachable for someone like me who's not like 
Mr. Die Hard, I need 800 hours of gameplay from this $160 game. So I don't know. In fact, speaking of which, Doomhammer comes back around and says, love all the Yakuza series, and and, uh, I also started it when it came to Xbox as well. Think the rest will come to Xbox? We can hope. Well, like I said there, I I don't know, man. I think it's a little dependent on, like, how these games perform on Xbox and and on Game Pass, and I don't know. It's like we've seen a good relationship between Xbox and Sega as of late with Fantasy Star and Yakuza and all this stuff, but I don't know what to think. I don't know if we'll see any more Yakuza games. I would not be surprised just because I feel like this is what you see so much with Japanese games in particular, where it's just like, yeah, here's a couple games on this platform, a couple games on this platform. I wouldn't be surprised if they just hard stop and they're just like, yeah, you got Yakuza 1, 2, and 0 in Like a Dragon. So 0, 1, 2, and 7. You got that all on Xbox. And uh, for everything else, you got to buy a different console. Kind of like how Kingdom Hearts is like. You got to get a PS1, a PS2, an iPhone, a Nintendo DS, a Nintendo 3DS, a Sony PlayStation Portable. You need to get all these things if you want to experience the Kingdom Hearts story. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I feel like you just see that stuff so much with Japanese games. Like, even, I don't know, even Monster Hunter does that. They're like, you gotta get a PSP, a Nintendo 3DS, a Wii U, and an Xbox One if you want to play all the fucking Monster Hunter games. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? It's like, either support a platform or don't, but I don't know. I'm not holding my breath, but I really do hope they come eventually. If not, I might actually just cave and play them on PS4, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for all the non-news-related content. Guys, it, we're 180 hours into the show. I think it's time to jump into the news. All right, we got a decent amount of news to get to this week. Some really good stories, too. It's not it's not a bunch of filler and shit, okay? And, and savor it, too, because this might be the last good week of news until sometime in January. Usually, you know, after the second week of December, after the Game Awards, that's when it goes into, like, Christmas mode, and everything just falls off off a fucking cliff. Like, if, if, if you listened to the podcast last year, you, you know. Basically, what's going to happen after this week is it's going to be, like, basically bullshit fluff news from here on out until like mid-January until until like spring games start coming out in like January February so it's gonna be a little bit boring after this but we're gonna do a lot of like end of year episodes and and, and special episodes and fun segments and things to kind of fill it out because like I said the show's always gonna be here each and every Thursday so don't you worry about that but if you come here for the good news then you might be shit out of luck all right our first story is you know without no more teasing it it's Halo Infinite guys so on Tuesday at 3.43 p.m., you know, 3.43, on the Halo Waypoint uh, website, 343 Industries put out their big December fall update on Halo Infinite that they've been teasing for a little bit now. And with it, we got some really good news, as well as some screenshots of Halo Infinite. So the article was kicked off by uh, with by Joseph Staten, you know, who, Bungie veteran who came back to Halo Infinite recently. He's replacing Chris Lee's role as the kind of creative lead or or the lead there at uh, 343, kind of seeing the game out through this final development stage before it launches. And he kind of just talks about how, like, you know, we really want to take this time to dig into some fan concerns and show you a little sneak peek at some things we're working on and kind of what our rollout is. But he basically gets right into it by saying, Here's the deal, guys. Halo Infinite, fall 2021. So cue the horns, everybody. I was fucking right. You think I'm wrong? You think Bethesda games aren't coming to PS5? Fuck you. Halo Infinite comes out fall 2021, just like I said, not spring, fall. Told you, they're going to give it a whole extra year. And now, I mean, this makes pretty good sense. You need a full year. It, it, It looked to me like Halo Infinite was definitely premature. So I don't really think, you know, something as, something as, big of an undertaking as like overhauling the graphical and artistic 
integrity of a game, like overhauling something like that, that's not really something that can be done in like an additional six months. So when people were saying, oh, you know, they're going to delay it from like November to March or something like that, I was always kind of skeptical of that because I'm like, I just don't think people understand like how much time they're really going to take to re to rework some of this stuff or how much time they're going to need to take to re- rework some of this stuff. I think people were really underestimating that. That's why I kept saying fall, not spring, but... I'm not I'm not happy to be right about this. I, I want to play Halo Infinite sooner rather than later, but gotta rub it in a little bit because I'm probably gonna be wrong about that that Bethesda thing, apparently. Anyway, so fall 2021, uh, which means a lot of things, man. First of all, you know, the Xbox Series X and S will be roughly a year old, or probably a year old when this game finally comes out. You know, I bet the game's coming out October, November. Probably November. It's probably gonna come out on the 20th anniversary of Halo Combat Evolved. You know, 2001 was the release of Halo CE, 2021 is the 20th year, 20 year anniversary, and this game has constantly been, you know, kind of paralleled and in, in, in compared to the first time you go on a Halo ring and Halo Combat Evolved, so this is, in a way, it's kind of, you know, they always talk about the spiritual reboot, you know, 343, Bonnie Ross likes to say that a lot, so I think it makes a lot of sense to try and line up the launch of this game along with the kind of marketing tag, uh, the marketing push of like the 20th anniversary of Halo, Halo Infinite, the new generation of Halo, all that. In fact, Joseph Sten even leaves a nice little quote in the blog post that I think ties this up nicely. He says, quote, my first week on the job at 343, I played the entire campaign of Halo Infinite twice. I was in a word stunned in the best possible way by what a team had, by what the team had done. Infinite is, by far, the most expansive and vertical Halo world ever. Why did the team do this? Because they understand that wonder and freedom are key to the Halo experience. I could feel the classic Halo 30 seconds of fun uh, beating at the heart of Infinite's world, but I had never felt more powerful, more mobile, more in command of a rich set of tactical choices. This was the Halo we imagined back in 2000, finally come to life after 20 years of technological of technical and creative innovation. So that's a really big quote, especially that last sentence. This is the halo we imagined in 2000 finally come to life after 20 years of technical and creative innovation. This is basically, you know, you wonder, okay, how much of that is PR talk and how much of that is like straight from the heart? You know, sure, if you want to be cynical about it. But the reality of it is, I mean, that is kind of what they're going for. They're they're going for, you know, people always remember, I feel like Halo gets a lot of Zelda kind of reference or, or, or talk in regards to its first entry where like people always talk about like the, the Breath of the Wild to Zelda, The Legend of Zelda 1 kind of thing where people are like, you know, the first Zelda game is an open world game where you can tackle the dungeons and the, and the quests in any order you want. And they're not wrong. It kind of, that's kind of what the first Zelda game is. And so when people kind of make the comparison that breath of the wild really spiritually is like a, like a future or a next generation interpretation of what the very original Zelda was always all about. It does make sense. It is a pretty apt comparison, especially when you think about how linear Zelda became, especially in its later years with some 3d games where it's like, you gotta do this dungeon before you can do this dungeon before you can do that. And so I, I see a similar thing with halo here where it's like, Halo 1, I mean, I think it's kind of a stretch personally because it is mostly linear level-based game. But, you know, people always talk about the second level, the Halo, you know, when you first arrive on Installation 04 and the kind of whole, like, you know, level 2 of Halo Combat Evolved is an open-world game. There's massive sand, There's a massive sandbox to explore. There's, there's different routes you can take. There's massive open battlefields, all this stuff. 
it at the time in 2001 it felt like a massive open world game you know at least for that time so it's a little bit more of a stretch in my opinion because really halo one while it has massive you know battles and massive areas to fight and shit it's still a pretty linear first person shooter and the and the series definitely gets more linear especially with games like halos two and four i think like two and four in particular are pretty linear but yeah whatever i'll, I'll give you that it, it, halo one kind of has an open world thing to it and so there's a lot of that with halo infinite halo Infinite's obviously quite literally an open world game where there's a lot of ways you can attack situations and approach you, you know your 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 playthrough and yeah i think i think they really want to harken back to that and capitalize on that so a lot of this fall 2020 release 2021 release is it's the 20th anniversary of halo this is like halo one all over again where you're gonna you're gonna say wow this is the, an evolution in gaming this is the next generation in gaming this is the next generation in halo rather than like what halos two through five have been which is more like linear level based first person shooter that kind of thing so i get you know what they're doing there and then i think the other big thing and this is the more negative side of this is that still (laughs) guys halo without halo infinite for a full year halo or the xbox series s and x don't have their killer app for the first full year on the market and i think that's kind of critical so i mean i know there's a bunch of games a bunch of third-party games a bunch of smaller console exclusives and things like that coming to xbox you know, between now and 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 Halo Infinite, but like, let's not lie about it here. Like, Xbox Series X needs its Breath of the Wild. It needs its Spider-Man Miles Morales. It needs its killer app. It needs its like. This is why you buy this console, and it's gonna have to go a full year without that. And I think that's gonna be pretty detrimental to that early optical brand building of Xbox Series X versus PS5. I, I think so. So I, I'm curious and a little nervous about what this does uh, for Xbox. Just in the f- f- fact that, you know, to go back to Sam's question and, or comment rather, it's not that like we're here hoping that Xbox kicks PlayStation's ass, but like you want Xbox to do well enough and to grow enough that like you don't have to worry about these things. You know, you don't have to worry about the future of a franchise or or the future of a brand or I worry a lot because I'm a Microsoft fan in general, you know, and as a Microsoft fan, I'm used to Microsoft taking away the things I love. I'm used to Windows Phone being taken away. I'm used to Mixer being taken away, to Groove Music, to Windows 8, to all these things. I'm used to seeing the things I love at Microsoft just go in a fucking ditch, you know, and get buried and forgotten. And so I I worry about these things because I don't want Microsoft to put Xbox in that position. I don't I don't think a year without Halo on Xbox Series X is going to do that, but you worry about Xbox because a lot of times the things X or Microsoft kills are things that are like doing well that just aren't doing as well as they want or like would do better if they just focus more on or put more resources into, but they just choose not to. And again, I don't think any of these things really describe Xbox. And for the most part, I really do think Xbox is here to stay. I think Xbox has been around long enough that really is a core part of Microsoft and it's probably not going anywhere. But I don't know, these things just kind of worry me because I want to see Xbox be steadily increasing in success for the simple fact that I just want people like Satya Nadella to back the fuck off Xbox and just let it do its thing. And to his credit, that's mostly what he's done. He's given Xbox a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of free reign. So a lot of credit to Microsoft and, and Satya Nadella for that. But again, it's like, I love I love Microsoft and I've just seen them break my heart so many times and take things away from me that like the only things I have left in this world to cling on to are Xbox and surface. And so like 
There's this part of me, it's like, if you're an Apple fan or a PlayStation fan, you're good. Life's good, you know? You don't ever have to worry about PlayStation hitting the shitter or or iPhone going away. You know that you can buy iPhone every two years for the rest of forever, and you're good. You can buy PlayStation every seven years forever, and you're good. Like, everyone loves those brands. They sell like crack. They're industry standards, whatever. You're good. But, like, if you're a Microsoft fan, you fucking you, you sweat at night because you're just like, oh, I had a dream. They killed Xbox. What am I going to do? And that, and that's my thing is like, so that's, it's not a Xbox versus PlayStation thing or fanboy th- or, or a, a console war thing. For me, my, my need for Xbox stuff or Microsoft stuff to succeed comes from my, comes from my trauma and my hurts and my pain of being an overall Microsoft fan of just seeing things I love get taken away. So I want Halo to excel because I love Halo dearly and I just want to have Halo forever. I just, you know, new Halo book, new Halo game, new Halo TV show, keep it coming. Just, I I love it all. Just keep giving it to me. But I worry about Halo bombing one day and then Microsoft being like, okay, time to put Halo in the vault because it scares me because I'm like, no, no, I still miss Windows Phone. I'm still not over Windows 8.1 and I just don't want to see Halo or Surface or something like that become part of that that Microsoft graveyard. So that's, that's, I only, I only have that tangent because I really want to explain, like, I'm not here trying to say like, we need Xbox to beat PlayStation because our team's better. I, I say it because like, I just want Xbox to be healthy enough and perform well enough that we don't have to worry. And again, you know, Xbox makes tons and tons of fucking money. It's fine. Microsoft is pretty happy with Xbox. I just, you know, it seemed like all the pieces to the puzzle were there at the beginning. Like Xbox Series X was going to smash expectations and Halo Infinite was going to come out the gate, you know, rolling and they're going to have this sexy, steady stream of like exclusive game, exclusive game, exclusive game. And now that we're looking at like Series X is out and the, and the well is kind of dry for a little while, it's like, okay, guys, we can't do the Xbox One thing again. Like, where are the games? Like, we know there are games. We've seen them. We've seen the trailers. We have the announcements. We have the dates. Great. But like, we, we need the fucking games, guys. Psychonauts 2 isn't going to carry the weight of the Xbox Series X. Like, what are we doing here? So, anyway, let's get back to the Halo story, guys. So, fall 2021, I worry about what that means for Xbox and its success. Obviously, it's not going to be entirely detrimental, but it is a big blow. Um, but it is exciting to see that, you know, with this extra time, they're really going to polish and make the game full-fledged. And they showed these new screenshots, guys. They showed the multiplayer screenshots, and I got to be honest... Everything looks fucking phenomenal. That multiplayer map they showed a screenshot of, it looks like a perfect crossbreed of Halo 3 and Halo Reach. The map looks phenomenal. The graphics look amazing. The visual style looks amazing. This is a better look at what they're working on in terms of improving shit, and I think the game looks great. They showed those models of, of multiplayer Spartans, and they look phenomenal. Again, it looks like it looks like Halo 3 meets Halo Reach. It's like they, they're fucking nailing the art style. They're ma- nailing the graphics. They're nailing the visual appeal in every way. It looks phenomenal, and people are going nuts online. Everyone's super happy about it. So it's really nice for once to see people just being excited about Halo and optimistic about Halo. So this is this is all good shit. And then the, the last thing is they, they talked about the customization. Obviously, there's been some backlash and shit right now about them basically saying, yeah, I mean, Halo Infinite multiplayer is going to be free to play. You can download the, the multiplayer separate from the game and just play the multiplayer for free. And we're going to have you know, customization and skins and stuff that you can unlock naturally, but we're also going to have paid skins and and customization features as well. Purely cosmetic, but paid stuff. And someone like me who's a rational human being that doesn't just get up in arms over video games, 
goes, yeah, that's totally fine to me. I might throw him a couple bucks here and there because I love Halo and I want to support it. And also, for the most part, I don't give a shit. I'll be totally fine with the majority of the things I unlock organically. But, you know, the internet being the internet, people had to get all up in arms. So I think this is really stupid. It's much to do about nothing. Um, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, customization's always been free in Halo. It's like, no, 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 no. In Halo, the customization's always been like, okay, you can pick two colors. Your primary color is a, a green Spartan with like a fucking red tint to it. It's like, that's not, that's not skins. That's just like the general color of the Spartan armor, okay? Like, don't, don't get all up in arms about this. They're talking about like nitty gritty shit, like accessories and in coloring each individual part of every piece of armor and, you know, the kind of really detailed shit we see in games nowadays. So the customization is going to be like Halo Reach times 10 and it's going to be really detailed and there's going to be tons and tons of free stuff you can unlock organically. So it's not like they're taking stuff we've always had access to and putting it behind a paywall. They're evolving something we've always had giving you still tons and tons of free shit and then putting some of the more premium new stuff behind a paywall, purely cosmetic, doesn't affect gameplay and only there for people who really want it. So it's like, I don't I don't see the problem with it. I think people are fucking stupid for bitching about skins and stuff like that. You know, it's one thing if we're going to complain about loot boxes, but like paid skins that have no effect, it's purely cosmetic. It's like, just, just fuck off. Things got to make money somehow, okay? You know, the, the hundreds of employees that work at 343 don't get paid because you downloaded Halo Infinite for free and played the game for free, okay? So fuck off and just throw a couple dollars sometimes, you know? Or let other people do that without getting up in arms, you fuck boy. But yeah, Halo Infinite looks great. I, I, I'm super reinvigorated just off a couple screenshots and some news. But uh, yeah, I, it's, a, it's, it's a long fucking wait. This is, this is the most anxious and excited I've been about a game in a very, very long time. And knowing that we're another year away is making me like, just like, oh my God, like, you know that feeling where you're like, you're, you're anticipating something so much, you're like, what can I do to keep myself busy so I don't think about this thing? Like, if you're like really looking forward to like, I don't know, you remember like being a kid and you're like, oh, I'm really looking forward to this play date with my friend, or I'm really looking forward to like the release of this video game console, or like going to the movies this weekend with my family because I hate going to school. Like, you look forward to those things where it's like, I'm living for this moment right now. you like, especially when you're a kid, you have a lot of those moments. Like, that's how I feel about Halo Infinite right now, where it's like there's life and then there's the impending, the the imminent release of Halo Infinite. And it's like all I give a shit about is surviving to launch day. I just need to play Halo Infinite. So and with that, the last final piece of news from that story, uh, they announced, yes, there will be a multiplayer test flight that's happening in the future. So that's back on the table. So it looks like we will be playing the multiplayer before the game comes out. Just we don't know when, maybe spring, maybe summer. I, I'm guessing it's more of a summer thing, but who fucking knows? Uh, nonetheless, I'm excited that that's happening. And uh, yeah, that's it for Halo. So super exciting and interesting news in the world of Halo. Uh, next, we'll, we'll move through the stories a little faster. I just really wanted to dwell on that one because you know how I love Halo. But next, from the Xbox Wire, uh, it, it looks like well, this is going to sound a little PR-y because, you know, Xbox, it's their own website. But the story reads, As we look at how we define success at the start of a new generation for gaming, we can think of none better than more and more players connecting to their friends and discovering games they love. Over 1.6 million uh, seamless upgrades uh, delivered to the Xbox Series X and S owners with smart delivery. Over 40% of you have, and some of this is cut up, so it might sound a little disjointed. Over 40% of you joining Xbox for the first time are playing the Xbox Series S. 
One of the fastest-selling Xbox Series SX markets uh, out of 40-plus launch regions, Europe saw record sellouts in a matter of hours across UK, France, and Germany. During November, Xbox Game Pass members played more of their favorites, including Destiny 2 Beyond Light, uh, Rainbow Six, Tetris Effect, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, with EA Play and Game Pass Ultimate. So what's next? Cloud Gaming with uh, Game Pass Ultimate coming to iOS and PC in 2021. Expanding Xbox to new players... uh, is central to our ambition of helping uh, games and developers find easy paths to the world's 3 billion gamers. We're doing this by embracing multiple devices and providing a consistent Xbox experience wherever you log in, whether that's on Series X, PC, Xbox One, Android, or starting in the spring, Windows, PC, and iOS devices. In spring 2021, we will take the next step in our journey to reach more players around the world by making cloud gaming uh, as part of Game Pass Ultimate available uh, on Windows PCs through the Xbox app and browser and iOS devices through mobile web browser. By adding over a billion devices as a path uh, to players in the Xbox ecosystem, we envision a seamless experience for all types of players, yada, yada, yada. Uh, whatever screen you choose, we want to make it feel easy to continue your game and connect with friends. Finally, we're bringing Game Pass Ultimate to new markets, including Australia, Brazil, Japan, and Mexico, where we recently began our limited project xCloud preview program. We can't wait to share more experiences, blah, 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 next year. And then they say what I mentioned at the top of the show. Stay tuned starting next week, uh, starting with the Game Awards tomorrow for more surprises, blah, blah, blah. So... We'll see. They'll probably announce the Xbox Series X3 and that they've acquired Death Stranding exclusively for the Xbox Series S. Does not run the Series X, just the S. Uh, really odd choice, but they're really excited about it. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, the big one, that's a lot of fluff, a lot of PR bullshit. That's what you get from pulling the story from Xbox directly. But, yeah, uh, Game Game Pass, as as Phil Spencer hinted at, as I think Count Scotula hinted at, and, and some others in the audience this is how they're going to get around the whole Apple being shitheads and, and, and making the App Store a complete fucking mess and a shitty place to be for everyone but Apple is you can still do Game Pass on your iPhone. You just got to do it through Safari or a web browser app on your phone. And that's totally fine. I mean, it's it's awesome that they're finding a way to bring it to iOS despite Apple being just total shitheads about everything. Um, so I'm really glad that this is happening. And I don't know, to me, it's like, I was I was pretty bummed out. I know a lot of people were like, haha, Android awesome, Apple bad. Kind of like how people are like, you know, my console's better than yours. But I was I was bummed out that a lot of iPhone people were just suddenly like out in the cold because Apple sucks dick and didn't want you to have any fun on your fucking iPhone. So it's really cool to me that this is that they're still like finding a way to make this happen. They're like, okay, we can't be on your app store. Fuck it. We'll still get people to play XCloud on your devices because you don't own web browsers you don't or you don't own the internet rather so fuck you so this is really really exciting really cool my my thing about this is you just know it's still not going to be as fluid and and intuitive and easy to use on iphone as it is on android which which is really unfortunate because i mean it's so easy to download an app on your android device launch the app and boom you're playing xbox you know Uh, but to have to like Go into Safari, go to xboxcloudgaming.com, log in with your account, and try to do it that way. It's 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 more in, inorganic and cumbersome. That's just not how we use our mobile devices. We use our mobile devices with apps. You know, the internet browser is for Googling shit and stuff like that. Like, we don't really use it for, like, things like this. So, it's a really inorganic and inelegant and way of accessing this. Obviously, it's it's a means to an end and, and not an ideal situation for any any party involved except Apple, of course, who's just going to make money by keeping the competition off their platform so that they can sell you on their stupid fucking uh, iTunes game pass for $5 where you get to play a bunch of shitty mobile games with ads on them. But 
still, it's 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 nice that there's still you know there's still a solution. My, my only gripe about this, and this is kind of like an anecdotal assumption, and and, and maybe wrong, um, but I I feel like at least here in the U.S., where like the overwhelming majority of people have iPhone, you know, the U.S. is the is a weird country where overwhelmingly iPhone is way more popular than Android, even though that Android is overwhelmingly more popular everywhere else in the world. So it's, it's really interesting because in the U S it's like, you know, like I I'm an Android user. I used to be an iPhone user. I use iPhone for years and years. And so now I'm on team Android. So I'm on the receiving end of that, like phone discrimination where like everywhere you go, people shit on you because your phone has green bubbles when you text and stuff like that. But like, I feel like generally here in the States, because Android is so unliked and so like, you know, second tier to iPhone, usually people who get Android phones are like, are people who are like phone enthusiasts or who like want something different. And so generally with Android users, again, at least here in the US or from my observation, it's usually more people who are like tech savvy or like want an interesting phone or want a phone that they can play with and do cool and interesting things and personalize and customize and get outside the box with a little more. Whereas like iPhone is like the default phone. So it gets more of the general audience. This sounds very condescending and elitist and I don't mean it to sound that way, but with iPhone, you get a lot more like, Oh, I need a phone because everyone has a phone. Everyone likes iPhone. iPhone's pretty. I have iPhone. I don't know how to use any of it. Like I have coworkers like trying to figure out airdrop right now like airdrop's a new feature they're all like trying to convince themselves airdrop is like one of the brand new features it's like dude airdrop's been here forever you just don't know how to fucking use your phone so like that's that's what i mean where it's like iphone has a lot of that kind of thing going on and again i don't i'm not trying to shit on iphone users obviously very very intelligent people and people who are way more tech savvy than i'll ever be use iphone but it just seems like more often than not at least here in the u.s where where iphone is far more dominant than android it just seems like usually more the savvy techie people go Android and more like the general users and consumers go iPhone. And what I mean, and the reason why I bring that up is to say it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, Android users have the easy one where they just have the app launch it. You're in and iPhone users are now subjected to the more obtuse workaround way to get into game pass, which is the the web browser version. So you would think it would be the other way around. That's like, well, if anyone's going to deal with that, it's going to be the fucking Android users. Cause that's what they're used to is like the more obtuse operating system with more like more, like, I don't know, just, just more steps and more odd ends than iPhone, which is, you know, just so famously like so touch and go so easy, so seamless. So this is kind of an unusual precedent for iPhone users and it's unfortunate, but I, I, I don't know. I just think about that. I'm like, I wonder if that's going to affect game pass on, on, on iOS devices. If it's just going to be a more obtuse and, you know, uninviting experience because of it not being an app. And I wonder if that's going to be, you know, have a negative impact on the service, whatever. That was a really long way of getting around to, to a pretty simple, easy to make point, but whatever. Um, nonetheless, you know, I know a lot of you out there are iOS users, so I'm happy for you that you're getting access to xCloud. I hope you enjoy the hell out of it. And then also, of course, the other big news that I'm just totally ignoring here is it's coming to PC, of course, as well. Uh, so I, I'm actually excited about that because I'm going to use Game Pass on my Surface Pro. I actually love the idea of that. Like, I, I think I'm a lot more inclined to use xCloud on like a Surface Pro, like a 12-inch Surface Pro screen than like my tiny little phone screen. So I, I don't know. To me, this is pretty exciting, but um, I, I don't know. Also, also that's just really cool because like, I feel like people don't, people don't realize like how exciting this is. Allowing people to stream Xbox to their computer kind of eliminates the need for a gaming PC. Like 
I've always been torn because I like Surface computers, which are not the most beefy, technically capable computers on the market by any stretch of the imagination. But there's a part of me that kind of wants a beefy, powerful desktop so I can like play games, you know. There's a part of me that's sometimes like, ah, I wish I had more access to like hardcore gaming PC shit. But with xCloud on 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 PC, on Windows 10, it kind of solves that problem because now I can have my little s- slim Surface tablet that's like basically an Ultrabook, you know, perfect for writing Word documents and web browsing and then also have it be a gaming machine because xCloud. So... I think it's a really good solution, especially for people like me, and I'm, I'm excited to use xCloud in that capacity and in that way. Um, and I, I suspect this will be a big thing for the PC market because, again, it allows people to buy... Think about it. You can go to Walmart and buy like a four or $500 Dell basic-ass laptop now and have access to really great high-fidelity games thanks to xCloud. And that's, I think that's going to be a big part of this market, especially in other countries as well, especially in this, in Xbox's desire to penetrate the Asian market more. I think it's going to be a really big thing because a lot of the Asian market is phones and computers, electronic devices you already have possession over, not video game consoles that you have to buy separately. So I think it's going to be a really big boon, especially for like Korea and stuff like that. So that's really exciting. And then next, our next story here. This is actually a really fun one. Uh, Playground Games have announced that Forza Horizon 4 uh, is, has just got a free update that lets players build their own stunt tracks. The new Super 7 game mode lets players create their own challenges complete with drift, air, and speed sections. And thanks to an expanded blueprint builder, players can enhance these challenges by placing down structures and scenery to create their own stunt tracks. Challenges can be created and placed anywhere across Forza Horizons uh, 4's Britain, and you can also select the season, time of day, weather, and choose music from the Forza 4 Horizons 4 radio stations. Playground Games says that when they chose um, that when choosing to play the Super 7 game mode, seven randomly selected challenges will appear. If you can beat all seven challenges in a row, you'll get an exclusive reward. Super 7 is a free update that's rolling out now to all players. So yeah, this is I thought this was extremely awesome. This is incredibly unprecedented or or unexpected rather, and this is the thing that's going to finally make me play like a cool pretty Xbox Series X capable next gen looking uh, racing game on my on my Series X um, because I love this so much. It's basically like, you know, like Lego. It's like it's like their Lego expansion DLC and their Hot Wheels expansion DLC tied into one. It's like wow, you get to build shit like Lego and you get to do cool stunt tracks and shit like Hot Wheels. So I'm very excited to jump into this actually. Uh, and uh, I mean, not much to say to it, but this is a really cool content drop that I think also just kind of makes Forza a more accessible game or Forza Horizon a more accessible game to even more casual kind of racing fans because it's going to be fun to just build crazy ramps and jumps and shit and be like, okay, let's see if this uh, 2012 Dodge Dart can um, can make this 1,400-foot j- jump over 17 school buses like goddamn Evil Knievel. Let's, here's hoping, fingers crossed. Seatbelts off, you know, I don't know. So I think this is really cool. This is, again, this is just more in line with, like, kind of what Xbox's, like, short-term plan is because they don't have, like, Halo Infinites and stuff. It's, like, all this DLC, new story content and shit we're getting for all these games, you know, Gears 5, Forza Horizon 4, they're all getting these big Series X patches and all this new content to kind of reinvigorate these games that are only, like, a year or two old anyway, so... It's, uh, it's not ideal, you know, it's no Halo Infinite, it's no Fable, but... It's no avowed, but it's uh, it's much better than, you know, nothing at all. So I'm pretty happy with it, especially because I, I realize more and more as we look at games as platforms and less as like one and done experiences, 
I'm kind of totally fine playing the same shit I've always been playing. Like last night I played Master Chief Collection for like an hour or two and it was it was fucking awesome. I loved it. I, I don't know. I, it's like I played more Halo and all I ever fucking do is play Halo and I was totally content with that. So I don't know. It kind of seems like it's a lot more acceptable to do that now than it would have been like 15 years ago. So whatever. Oh yeah, I missed that. On what, what I've been playing. I, I just talked about Yakuza, but yeah, I've also been playing Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Halo Master Chief Collection, Halo 5. I started Call of the Sea, which just came out. Whatever. We'll get to that next week. Anyway, uh, next story here, IGN reports that Sea of Thieves will introduce a seasonal progression system in January 2021 alongside Battle Pass with free and premium options. See what I was just saying? Announced as part of the final final Sea of Thieves news for 2020, Rare will be moving away from the game's consistently monthly update model. The season system will uh, replace this, bringing new players new content every three months with a new way to play introduced in every season, starting with Season 1 in January 2021. Each season will feature regular... Um, and featured live events, as well as new rewards for Pirate Outlaws to uncover. You'll progress through 100 levels of Pirate Renown in each season, unlocking new rewards for your Pirate player characters and their ship. This will be separate from the existing progression system, which sees you ranking up companies by engaging with certain pockets of gameplay. Players who have achieved the coveted title of Pirate Legend will also be receiving specialized exclusive rewards as part of the new progression system. An optional premium tier of the Battle Pass called Plunder Pass will be available Offering even more unique ways and exclusive items from the Pirate Emporium. As part of the January 2021 overhaul, uh, Merchant Alliance players will be pleased to hear that Sea of Thieves will introduce a new voyage experience tied to the company where crews uh, must use their detective skills to find lost shipments and shipwrecks. Okay, so that's a lot of fluff there. But the big thing here is, well, one, what was I just saying about Xbox like reinvigorating their relatively recent releases in lieu of you know new AAA game launches? So there's that, but also this is a big one. So this is, you know, rare announced. They're kind of moving away from sea of thieves as like a all hands on deck thing. Now that they're working on, uh, what is it called? I keep, I keep fucking keep forgetting the name of their new game Everwild. I always forget the name of Everwild. Um, but yeah, now they're kind of having like a smaller team kind of work on supporting sea of thieves throughout, you know, the rest of its, it's, it's life and everything, but sea of thieves is kind of a platform. And, And like I've said in the past, you know, as we get into game pass, as we see like the new Forza, the new halo kind of become like platforms rather than one and done games we're gonna see this a lot more with xbox games which is this whole like sea of thieves is a platform halo infinite's a platform the next forza motorsport is a platform you subscribe to game pass you have access to it it's not going to be a new halo every two years it's going to be a new you know a new update to halo that adds more multiplayer maps a new campaign um new story content new accessories new timed events new things like that forza new cars new tracks new uh, mechanics and things like that. So, uh, and, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this kind of become the case. And what Sea of Thieves is saying here is basically like, you know, I think it's kind of like testing the waters with what Microsoft has probably planned for a lot of their games is, you know, you subscribe to Game Pass for 10 or 15 bucks a month. You get all these games for free and then you get hooked onto these games and their, their various ecosystems and platforms. And then their alternate ways of monetizing aside from you just having a subscription to Game Pass is these kinds of like, season passes and 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 cosmetic upgrades and things like that so it's like well yeah 15 bucks a month is getting you all these great games how else are they monetizing these games well in halo you can buy some you know cosmetics in multiplayer in sea of thieves you can get a season pass and in forza you can buy i don't know maybe a car pass or something like that and i think you're going to see a lot more of these season pass cosmetic upgrades kinds of little microtransactions throughout these games as additional ways to monetize them to offset the 
kind of just generic cost of Game Pass being the only way to get into these games. Because I, I know Lethal Migraine likes to say Lethal that that Game Pass is making like just hand over fist money, but I don't know where you hear that because from what I've read and what I've seen is that just the opposite is that Xbox kind of hemorrhages money on Game Pass a little bit because they're trying to get it to grow as much and as fast as possible. So my expectation has always been that eventually they'll up the price of Game Pass and you know, once it becomes more popular, more ubiquitous, and has more undeniably great content. But I don't think that, whatever it is, I don't think Game Pass currently is being charged what it's going to be charged in the future. I think we're in the early Netflix stages of Game Pass where it's, you know, it's like $7.99 or whatever. And I think you gotta be prepared for the day where it's like $10.99. Like, Netflix went from what, $7.99 to $10.99? I think you gotta be ready. Someday, Game Pass is gonna go from like $10 and $15 to like $15 and $20. So, I'm just trying to prepare for it because I think that's inevitable, but in the meantime, I think they're using stuff like this to kind of offset the cost. Otherwise, if you're a Sea of Thieves player, it looks like there's a bunch of new sh- shit coming your way. I don't really care. Uh, anyway, our wrap-up story for the day comes from Windows Central, and it is that Casey Hudson and Mark uh, Dara, GM of BioWare and executive producer of Dragon Age games, uh, respectively, are leaving BioWare again. This news comes from a new blog post uh, that also confirms that the studio's existing projects are continuing, including the new Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Dragon Age 4, and the all-new Mass Effect game. Samantha Ryan will be overseeing Bioware from now on until the studio has a new head selected, while Christian Daly, formerly of Blizzard Entertainment, is taking the role of executive producer on the next Dragon Age game, currently in development, which uh, on Matthew Goldman remains creative director. Uh, Mike Gamble is leading the team working on the recently revealed Mass Effect game. Hudson Hudson worked at Bioware on games like Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Mass Effect until from the first game until 2014 when he joined Microsoft Studios. He then rejoined Bioware in 2017 as the new studio head, uh, and Dara, another longtime veteran, worked on Baldur's Gate franchise before eventually becoming executive producer of the entire Dragon Age series. It'll be interesting to see what the projects both Hudson and Dara work on next. Several former members of Bioware, including James Olin and Drew um, Karpsehan, whatever, sorry, uh, have begun a new studio under Wizards uh, of the Coast called Archetype Entertainment, which we discussed just a few weeks ago on the show. So the first thing I want to say here is Casey Hudson leaving for the second time, especially in such a short period of time, is kind of the like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, it's like, I mean, he that Casey Hudson's been there since like the beginning. Like I said, worked on Kotor, worked on all the Mass Effect games. So that's a big loss. But he's left and come back before, so it's not utterly surprising that he's gone. You know, in all this le- recent leaving. But Mark Dara leaving that's that's kind of a bigger one because it's like Casey Hudson's like the the Mass Effect guy. But Mark Dara is like the Dragon Age guy. So now it's like both the two pillar franchises of Bioware have lost like their original visionaries now. And it's just, I don't know, to me, it's like the first thing that pops into my mind after I see this is the other week when they announced the Mass Effect trilogy. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're working on an all new Mass Effect game that's being led by a team of veterans, of Bioware veterans. I'm like... You, you talk about that, but all these Bioware veterans are leaving left and right, starting new studios, joining new companies. So it's like, who are these veterans? I mean, obviously, you know, hundreds of people work on these games, but like they, they, they're losing some key talent left and right here. And this stuff kind of makes me worry, but kind of not like, I, I, you know, Bioware has been around long enough. It's kind of like a bungee thing. You know, you look at the people making Destiny 2 today and yeah, there are people there that worked on like Halos 1, 2 and 3, but like. That's not really what what Bungie is today. You know, it's, it's a lot of different people. Bioware is kind of a similar story where it's like, okay, well, 
the the people working at Bioware today really aren't you know the original team that made Mass Effect and Knights of the Old Republic. It's like it's a lot of different people. Okay, so it's not totally fair to say like, oh, Casey Hudson and Mike Dar are gone. Okay, Dragon Age and Mass Effect are fucked. Like that's not really the case. But it is a little concerning where it's like. Bioware has just been in a tricky situation for a while. EA Studios, EA's, EA's slew of studios have just been kind of fucking up a lot lately and struggling a lot lately with the exception of Respawn, you know? And studios have been getting shut down and shit, and Bioware has kind of been the shit for a while. We got Mass Effect Andromeda, which which didn't do well at all. We've got Anthem, which is like this, you know, I know a lot of you guys like it, but like, honestly, just this is just factually correct. It, it was this game that was made to compete with, with Destiny but it wasn't allowed to be like Destiny, and it ended up just having a lot of hollowness and not being fully fleshed out and not being fully satisfying to fans. And, you know, like, I finally played Anthem. I'll, I'll be honest, like, it looks and feels really good. Like, it's fun gameplay, but, like, the game's also a little hollow and missing stuff and just doesn't have legs. That's why we saw it came and went and didn't stay like Destiny, didn't stay like The Division. So it just seems like Bioware is in this situation now where it's like they haven't had a, a success in a while. They're losing a lot of key talent. Dragon Age 4 has been in development for fucking ever, you know, like, the last Dragon Age game was Dragon Age Inquisition, came out in 2014, I remember buying it thinking, this is the Dragon Age game I'm finally gonna get into, and then being like, nah, don't like it, but, like, guys, it's been, it's been, like, six years since the last Dragon Age, they keep talking about this Dragon Age game, but they don't even have gameplay or screenshot to share with us but now they're also working on a new mass effect but they're also working on overhauling anthem it's like what is happening here at bioware it's like just a lot of red flags everywhere like you, you want to talk about being concerned about 343 and halo infinite like fuck that like if you're gonna be concerned about anyone in the video games industry look at bioware they're they're making some odd moves over there there's some there's some shit happening over at that studio and i don't know i just Whatever, like, I'm not entirely a huge Bioware fan. Like, I have a lot of respect for them as a developer. I think Microsoft should have bought them right after the launch of, of Mass Effect 1. They were they were foolish not to. They would have been a great get for Microsoft and Team Xbox. And I respect the stuff they make. I, I want to love Mass Effect. It's a franchise I really want to get into. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, this, this studio is becoming less and less renowned and desirable as time goes on. They are just making tons of mistakes here so i don't know uh, this is as usual one of those only time will tell stories but you know good luck to all these veterans leaving and going on to do new endeavors i wish you all the best but like man to those staying at bioware what the fuck's going on man like at this next e3 this next ea play that they do presumably in june whatever they've gotta have a gameplay demo and a trailer and a release date for dragon age 4 they just gotta have it like what what is happening here you know <laughs> like mass effect the mass effect trilogy is likely going to be the biggest release they have in the next i mean once it comes out in a few months is going to be like the biggest release they have in the past like decades so like something's got to happen here man like i don't know it's it's starting to get concerning so wishing the best to those who left but also hoping that the studio keeps it together and can uh pull out of this uh middle ages that they seem to be in this dark age that they seem to be in uh, but that's going to do it for all of our big stories, guys. Let's jump into the important enough news, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion, of which we've got a small handful. We've got back in October, the Coalition revealed a story DLC pack that was coming to Gears 5 sometime in December. Now we've got a release date for Gears 5 Hive Busters. The expansion adds a three-hour story campaign that sees Scorpio Squad traversing the volcanic gal. Galangi Islands, Galangi Islands, oh my god. Gears 5 Hive Busters is set to release on December 15th, 2020. Can't wait. That's next week. I can't wait to play it. That's 
that's the thing I'm most looking forward to right now in gaming. That's going to be fun. Uh, next, Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake uh, has been delayed. A tweet from the official Ubisoft UK Twitter account announced the remake, which was originally released or revealed in September for an early January 2021 release or a January 21st, 2021 release. Uh, they have announced that the new release date will be March 18th, 2021. Next, State of Decay 2's latest update is now out, and it brings with it a bunch of optimizations for Series X and Series S, including lighting, quick load times, improved world and shadow details, and a responsive 60 FPS presentation and up to 4K resolution. Why did I, I thought that was already out. Whatever. Next, The Division 2 won't be getting a full Xbox Series X optimized upgrade, um, but a patch of delivered midway through Season 4 currently slated for February uh, 2021 will add support for 60 FPS play on the new consoles and up to 4K on Series X. Next, Halo developer 343 have announced or have revealed uh, a Halo, a new project, Halo Point of Light, a new novel written by Kelly Gay. Uh, The book is a sequel to Gay's previous Halo novel, Halo Smoke and Shadows and Halo Renegades, and will continue the story of Rion Forge and her companions. Notably, the story is set during August of 2558, which is one month prior to the events of Halo 5 Guardians. Because of this, it's unclear whether or not the novel will have any uh, ties to Halo Infinite, which looks to take place in it at a significant amount of time, uh, which looks to take place a significant amount of time after Halo 5. Ultimately, we'll have to wait and see. Halo Point of Light uh, officially releases on March 2nd, 2021 and can be pre-ordered now for only 17 bucks. That one's interesting. Those are her Halo books. Uh, Kelly's Kelly Gay's Halo books are more of like the the kind of like more teen-focused Halo books. Um, I haven't read them, but I've heard, especially Halo Renegades, I've heard it's really good. It's on the list. There's just so many Halo books, man. Like they just came out with Shadow of Reach like two months ago. And now we've got one coming out in March. So I'm still working on Shadow of Reach. I'm like halfway through it, but it's, it's good. It's good shit. Uh, and then finally, climbing a mountain has been. Oh, this is sorry. This is Minecraft. This is this is off the Minecraft blog. Let's let's traverse some of this PR bullshit. Uh, the Minecraft Dungeons Howling Peaks DLC is now coming out. Uh, it should be releasing by the time of this of this podcast coming out. And with it comes, you know, all the new content, the new the new missions, the new uh, loot, and all that good stuff. And you can go ahead and get that on Xbox or PC or even PS4 and Switch because. Minecraft, much like Bethesda games, is available on all platforms. All right, that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. We'll wrap up the podcast now. This is a really long one. So let's wrap it up with our new game releases of the week, of which there are 12. So from the Xbox Wire, going off real quick, because I can't be up all night editing. Call of the Sea comes out December 8th. It's Series X. It's Game Pass. It's Smart Delivery. I started playing it. I don't have much to say about it yet, but it is a game that takes place in the jungle, and you play as some like British... You play as like some chick from San Francisco, but for some reason she has a British accent. Uh which is weird. Um, next monster sanctuary comes out December 8th. This is like Farmville meets, um, meets whatever that game is that people like that. I always forget the name of concerned date made it, whatever it's called monument stardew value. There you go. Puyo Puyo Tetris two comes out December 8th. It is a smart delivery game. Uh, if you want to play this game, I'm going to recommend you actually just play. I mean, I like Puyo Puyo, but no offense, but like, Come on, play Tetris Effect. Uh, Autumn's Journey comes out December 9th. It is some anime weeby shit, but at least the girls are wearing full full outfits, so it's not objectifying them in their pink anime hair. Next, we got Do Not Feed the Monkeys coming out December 9th. This is one of those games where you got to like monitor the computer and simulate shit, but somehow it's about feeding monkeys, so I'm, I'm going to have to dig in and report back on that one. IAI comes out December 9th. It's Xbox One X Enhanced, and it's a, it's a space 
twin stick. It's it's a it's a space it's a space arcade side scrolling shooter which looks pretty good. Unto the Dead comes out December 9th. It's one of those games that looks all artsy and indie. And then Cyber Cyberpunk 2077 comes out December 10th. Xbox One X in the hands and smart delivery. This is this is that shit. Cyberpunk is that shit, guys. You know what Cyberpunk's about. It's about the future where the COVID vaccine goes horribly wrong and starts infecting people. So we have to start chopping off our limbs and replacing them with robot parts. But much like every time we get to the future, it's nothing like what what Hollywood told us it'd be like. It's really boring. It's really lame. It's really pathetic. It's really underwhelming. So instead of like cybernetic bodies and shit, we just have like basically prosthetics and they're they're kind of underwhelming. And, you know, cars kind of look like throwbacks to cars from the 1980s. And everyone's like killing each other in the streets. But at least we got flying cars to some extent. So. That's the future. And then Killer Chambers comes out. It's uh, it's like the speaking of Zelda, this is like Zelda, but you play as a man in a top hat and there's a ghost in the corner that it looks like he he's not there to attack you. He's not a physically dangerous ghost. He looks like he's more there like for moral degradation. He's more there to tell you why you're a loser and make you feel bad about yourself. And, you know, there's the perils of crawling through dungeons and potentially getting killed uh, by booby traps or monsters. But the bigger threat here is is the voices in your head telling you you can't do it. And then uh, we got My Hidden Things, which is a Where's Waldo black and white knockoff game coming out December 11th. Speaking of December 11th, we've got Panzer Dragoon Remake, which is another Sega game coming to Xbox. So more hope for Yakuza. Here's hoping. And then finally, we got Sinker 2 coming out December 11th. It's a Play Anywhere title and an Xbox One X Enhanced. This is literally a game where you look at graph paper and draw lines. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, think about all the architects and contractors who just look at graph paper and draw lines and shit all the time. And they're like, wow, they're going to make a video game about this. This is like the lamest thing about my job. And they're going to make a goddamn video game about it. Well, fear not. That's what Sinker 2 is all about. And, you know, it's called Sinker 2, which insinuates there's a Sinker 1. So people really like this this, uh, architect graph paper simulator bullshit and uh yeah it's there and as a reminder with games of gold guys for the month of december you got the raven remaster which is available for the whole month the uh we got bleed 2 which is available from december 16th to january 15th saints row got out of hell which is available until the 15th so download it now uh or miss out forevermore and then lastly stacking is available from the 16th to the 31st so that's coming out in just a few days and with that, guys, we're going to close out the show. I'm, I'm pretty fucking tired, so I'm not even going to be cute here. Follow me on Twitter at Xbox. I tweet out uh, marketing material about the Xbox because I have a financial obligation to sell it. And uh, Count Scott is going to play us out with a, with another song. He sent me three songs. Uh, I've played two of them so far. So for the final week, guys, I figured we'd play another Count Scottula thing. Let's. Uh, this song is called... Blue reminds me of nosebleeds, so take it away, Count Scotula, circa 2006 or whatever it was. Oh, and I almost forgot. Power your dreams. <laughs>